0: And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock.
1: we're back <laughs> oh, that looks like that hurt you <laughs> uh well
0: because this is an audio platform dave why don't you tell them what i'm going through today
1: well you're in a neck brace i am and it's actually a good thing that you put it on because you were looked like you're in a severe pain uh, when i got here
0: well <laughs> a lot of people this is
1: the banner before the
0: show a lot of people know if they've uh, listened to my work before. That you're old not only oil, Almost 50. I'm not almost 50, but I am referred to as the Cal Ripken of podcasting because yeah. why, Dave?
1: You never miss a day. I might have a ding.
0: I might have an Sting injury. I might have a, a wing. <laughs> i have a shin splint, but that's not going to keep me <laughs> from delivering happiness to our yeah. listeners. So as we know, Dave, um, episode 51 was, uh, uh, you know, a success. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we did Inside the Edge, yes. Uh, uh, adventures of a Professional Blackjack Dealer.
1: Correct. We did do that. But we didn't finish it. No, we didn't. This is part two. This is part two.
0: Yes. And before we start, Dave, why don't you tell our listeners what
1: this show is all about? This is a show called Down on the Docks, where we review documentaries while I- Chris watches them. And then he explains them to me. Correct. And then we decide if I'm going to watch them afterwards. Right. Spoiler! I never do. <laughs> I think that might change. Doubtful.
0: Okay. Um, and also, uh, because we depend on our listeners for their support, where can they find us on social media?
1: Best place to find us is on Instagram, Twitter, or send us an email. You can send us an email by finding us at docs at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at pod. And, of course, on Twitter at Down on the Docks. Before we jump into this week's episode, yes. you know me, I don't like to get uh, at sidetracked. By the way, you can find us on Apple iTunes and also Spotify. Please leave a review. And soon to be I YouTube. rarely jump outside of our documentaries okay?
0: because we have to stay on track okay. and our listeners expect that. Right. But as we were discussing before the show, mm-hmm. there was a major revelation in the news this week. Revelation that went unnoticed. And before we go any further, I want to ask you this: What are life's two biggest questions that anybody could ask themselves? Um,
1: uh, <laughs> what happens when you die? Correct. And what is that stinging you when I pee? <laughs> no. Uh number
0: two is
1: yes. do, gonorrhea. Um, <laughs>
0: Ah. number two is is there extraterrestrial life right and as we know yes during some subcommittee in congress this week
1: yes a bunch of liars no yeah okay some woman was you would be the guy to believe all those fucking bullshit by the way
0: i love the way they're uaps now and not UFOs
1: they do that so you can so you can fuck with the search results so my point is from my understanding some
0: guy comes in who's got inside information, secondhand knowledge. Gersh. Was that his name? Gersh? Yes. yes.
1: And the woman's like, so... Sounds like the name of a fashion magazine. But
0: she's like, so do we have uh, UFOs? And he's like, oh yeah. And then uh, (laughs) she's like, "Uh, do we have bodies? And he's Uh, like, we have biologicals, which I guess is the
1: the new way of saying... Biosynthetics or some bullshit. No, he said biologicals. Whatever the fuck. The
0: point is, she's like, were they human or non-human? And he (laughs) was like, they're non-human. They're ants on leaves. So, So the point is... We have possession, mm-hmm. alien craft, and alien bodies. Do we? And the point is, if you answer one of the two things we the government, you mean they they the point is when the US government says yes, we have one of these, and you answer two of the biggest questions in life,
1: nah. it
0: didn't even make the the first segment on the nightly news.
1: Yeah, because the corporate media is the enemy of the people.
0: But I mean, why aren't people in the streets jumping up and it's like Independence Day and they're on the rooftop saying, come
1: find us? Because it's not going to happen, dude. It's all for military money, bro. So
0: we're not going to really have disclosure?
1: Nope. Ain't going to be no disclosure for nothing, for nobody. Uh, I have a
0: feeling in my lifetime, it is going to come to fruition. Fruish. Fruish. And we are going to actually be told with proof that we have possession of aliens. I'm down, baby. Because I believe in Roswell. I want There's to too many firsthand uh, eyewitnesses to the bodies, and I think that's the bodies they're referring to.
1: I want to see some of that alien puss. Of course you do. Well, like I 50 said. 52nd episode, buddy. I wouldn't have sidetracked this episode yeah, if it wasn't one of the life's two biggest questions. Well, we got Hunter Biden and Russia and all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, who cares about that? We got aliens, bro. Aliens. All right, so... As you recall, yes, we were following the adventures of Casey. By the way, we're not going to mention 52 episodes, one full year of doing this. Ep- of oh, this, yeah, I, I mean? guess we could. And you're just going to brush over that, huh?
0: 52 episodes, one calendar year, one not calendar, a day off.
1: Not a fucking day off. You're Plus like Cal
0: Ripken Jr., Jr.
1: Actually, I missed one day. <laughs> I was here, but I left. That's true. But you're okay. I showed up, I showed up <laughs> and then I left early. I had some PTO time. Uh, so let's get back to Casey.
0: Okay. As you know... He's in this RV, and he's been traveling across the country, smashing grabs, looking for the occasional hole carter, and you know doing very well, but he's been st- sustaining a, a fairly significant losing streak. So when we left, his RV broke down, and he's having trouble finding somebody to come out and fix it, and towing this thing is a nightmare. Well, to make matters worse, the bankroll that he has on him is secured, and unlocks at a place that you can only get to when the cars started. <clears throat> how does he keep his money? That's He doesn't go into it. It's
1: vague. Okay. But all we know. Like he doesn't have like a, like you have, what do you, tell the boys what you have. Uh, a sock drawer? No, stupid. I mean, how you hold your money. <clears throat> what do you mean how I hold my money? Oh, in a safe? No. I don't mean all of your money uh, that you have. I mean, like when you're carrying around cash with you. Uh-huh. How do you keep it? In a binder clip? Yes, yeah. in a binder clip. And people
0: make fun of me, and I say, hey, I mean, that's the only way guy. I know Rubber you can get Rubber band or that thing. Correct. That's it's the only way you can get $4,000 still... in your pocket safely. Like. It's the it's
1: the, it's the the black thing. Yeah. Big black big, binder big, clip. Yeah. Big black. That's BB, what I use. BBC. Yeah.
0: But people are like, that's so tacky. And I'm like, you show me another way. BBC. I could put 4100 in David. my pocket and Man. feel secure. Okay. And then we'll talk. All right. You never know when a crafts game's is going to break out, bro. You gotta <laughs> on have your money street. ready. It could happen. Well, you do live in the ghettos, so.
1: huh? Okay.
0: So anyway, what we understand here is that he's got a lockbox of cash, yeah. but you can't access it unless the car's on. Oh. So he doesn't like get the into generator. It. Yes. Yeah. It's electrical, probably. Yes. But he doesn't get into where it's at in the car, and okay. I don't blame but him. Dude, I'm obviously- not giving up. up your secrets? Yeah. But anyway, he finds a guy and uh, a mobile truck service that comes out, and he finds out the starter's bad. Well, remember old John Chang from the MIT Blackjack team? He says, yes. One of the amazing things about Casey, as far as I'm aware, is he's a lone wolf. Sounds mm. like me. Yeah.
1: That's a tough road. Remember, remember Airheads? Yes. The Lone Rangers? Yes. Um, not so a great supposed movie. Be one. Of, well, obviously. Yeah.
0: Uh, remember Pee Wee's Big Adventure? <laughs> yeah, I'm a loner, Dottie.
1: Okay. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. I don't remember that stupid part.
0: Yeah, Pee-wee Pee-wee's Big Adventure. I don't Pee-wee's remember. He's a loner. Yeah.
1: Anyway, I'm a loner, Dottie.
0: Johnny John Chang says that's it can't do it. That's a tough road. Yeah. You know, being a yeah. lone wolf, you can't yeah. specialize. You have to be a master ever of everything,
1: or a jack of trades at least. To survive wait, wait, as a lone wolf? Wait, 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 you got to be a master of everything or like a jack of trades? Or, that's yeah. not, that sounds like a George Bush. A little fucking, bit. George Bush. Fool theme. me once. <laughs> shame, shame. Shame on, on you. Me. <laughs> fool me no, no, twice. No, 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 no. He says it right. Like that he goes, fool me once. Shame. Shame on you. Fool me twice. You ain't going to fool me again. <laughs> <laughs> we won't get fooled again. All
0: right. So All his right. whole point is... In the world of counting, lone wolfing is very rare. Most right. people are teaming. Teaming up. So Casey confides in us and says Connecticut was a disaster. Uh, he had a $100,000 downswing. So mm. then he goes to Atlantic City. Wait, wait, where was it? That was in Foxwoods in Connecticut. Okay, okay. So he lost hundred grand. Is that a big huge, casino town? huge. Huge for the tri, uh, Tri-State won't. area.
1: Oh, Tri-State area. Gotcha.
0: So then he goes down to Atlantic City. Beautiful but, area. But he's got to drop his bets down a bit. Um, and he has a really bad first night there. Mm. Well, Nelson Rose, author of Gambling in the Law, he reminds us that New Jersey has said that card counting is legal. And the casinos cannot exclude card counters. There's no regulation saying they can kick them out. But they do have these horrible regulations, such as changing the stakes for a single player at the
1: table. Oh, they can just change it on you, web. Yeah. Well, so what's the rule in other states? You can't do that. If you're sitting at the table until you get up, they can't change it until the table's empty, right? Apparently. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Like they can't change the table on you. Yeah. To my knowledge. Yeah, like once you're sitting down, yeah, you can't, they can't can't. Yeah, change. if
0: they post the stakes on that little clapper board... They can't change them after you've sat down, right? But, yeah, apparently in uh, Jersey, you know, yeah, that's their their move to get rid of guys. Cool. So you're sitting there. Betting, I respect that. Sitting there betting at like a thousand a hand, yeah. And then then you, the thing comes up and it's like five dollar minimum.
1: <laughs> so, oh, it, is that what they would do? That, like that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they wouldn't. The they wouldn't move
0: it up. No. no.
1: Move They'd it be down. like,
0: yeah. Uh, $5 max.
1: Oh, $5 max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Max, max. Oh, I see. I see. I see. I see. I I I I thought you were talking about minimum.
0: No, my bad.
1: So anyway, he's having a rough
0: day. He plays three three sessions, has three 10,000 losses back to back to back. And uh, as of the morning, around noon, he's up like 20 grand. But he loses that plus another 30,000. So he's got a 50,000 downturn. On top of his hundred thousand downturn in Connecticut, and then another eight thousand on top of that. So he says this blackjack trip for me is like a company, a business that I'm running. I need a uh, to place, uh, get as uh, many bets in and create as much EV, which is what Dave? Electric vehicles. (laughs) Its expected value. Along the way, I have to deal with the fluctuations, which of course is the risk. And I don't want to end up tapping out at any point going bankrupt. Right. When you start losing, you need to buckle down and grind it back. Mm -hmm. And you just have to let go. Mm -hmm. You know, you get your bets in, then the cards fall as they may. And you just really have to hope that you can ride out the storm. So, right now, this is about riding out the storm. Well, Casey's dad. Remember, he's a professional backgammon player. He says the most important characteristic of someone who's going to be excess, a success uh-huh. is something you don't have. Do you know what that is, Dave?
1: Um, because uh, I've the seen the will,
0: you. the emotional control,
1: the uh, okay.
0: EC. Yeah, because I've seen you go on Super Monkey Tilt before.
1: Yes, and well, I just <clears throat> I don't because I don't take it seriously. Yeah, I know. That's what. That's why it's awesome sitting yeah. at a table with you. You're really yeah. like, "Fuck it, I don't, I don't give a fuck." I mean, it's too try hard. it again. Just, Go all in on. Me. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to like. I'm. I'm trying to like smash and grab. I'm not trying to like sit there and grind on two hundred dollars.
0: Right, but the point is, you lose your emotional control. Yeah, and then I, money's uh, like not an issue to you. You're like, yeah, I don't give a. It's fuck. It's true. I mean, that's you're exactly like, I'm not I mean. gonna let you bully me. Yeah, and then, make it fun. And then you call with like two nine off or yeah. queen three, yeah. and someone's got like aces, Obviously. and it's just like busto for you.
1: And when you say somebody, you
0: mean you. Me, usually. So he says you can't be subject to emotional involvement that will take your losses and turn them into your downfall. Well, Casey says
1: at this point he's got to fill up at the Flying J, but he runs out of propane. By the way, we should do that. We should go like, you give me $200, and then I just lose it to you. Or like that happens all the time you no, still just, owe me 200 bucks no i paid you oh you paid me yeah yeah yeah. Okay. yeah i mean don't act like i didn't pay you i can never remember <clears throat> and i basically You gave me two hundred dollars, and I literally just went in and lost it to you. Yeah, that was rough too because you had aces and I had sixes. Should do that. I flopped, but it doesn't really matter because you can just buy in for however much. Let's fucking just junk this podcast and get to the casino.
0: (laughs) I can see you (laughs) want a massage, dude. So look at me. I need one. Yeah,
1: they they do massages over there. Fuck yeah, they do. Fuck, let's do it. Just pull the plug. All right, let's go. Fuck this. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay. So anyway, he runs out of
0: propane in the RV. And it's freezing cold in Atlantic City. So he says he has to spend two nights shivering with the dogs. And he wraps up uh-huh. the, the
1: dogs in a blanket and then puts the dogs on top of him to keep himself warm. <laughs> Dude, I've been there before. You're I've been really in a shivering tent. Throw, threw up. I got up out of the tent to take a piss. Too many mushrooms? No, 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 no. It was Boy Scouts. Oh, okay. And like literally camped on ice during oh. a storm and like a not sufficient enough sleeping bag. Yeah, froze your ass off. <sighs> Could have yeah. died.
0: Well, luckily you're here. Yeah. Um, so he decides he's going to go to Florida. Yeah. Of course the weather's better. Um, you know, he says he slows down his losing streak a little bit. Uh, he's building up a couple wins. He's playing at uh, Tampa, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, uh, Hollywood area. And then he decides to jump on a plane and go to the Bahamas yeah. to check out the Atlantis.
1: Cool. Uh, The water park?
0: uh, No, it's a casino.
1: It's probably a casino and a water park. I don't think it's a water park. They have a water park there for sure. It's called Atlantis. How do you not have a water park? Because it's a resort. Yeah, it's a resort for families. So the parents can gamble. Oh, is it really? Yes, it's called Atlantis. I'm telling you what it is. Okay, so you drop your kids at the water park and then go lose their college (laughs) tuition next door? that's correct. All right, well, he gets in there. He goes straight in. You can see your kids as you're playing blackjack. Hi, son. They're going through the little tubes. With I the didn't windows know and that. And sh- no, that's not like that, but okay. they have a giant water park there.
0: Well, he plays about fifteen grand, and uh, he's doing well. Uh, he gets a little R and R, um, and you know he's out on those um, fucking. What do you call it? You ever been to lazy, one of
1: the, the lazy rivers? No. <laughs>
0: you ever been <laughs> to one of the Vegas
1: casinos that has floating blackjack at the pool? Yeah. This, yes. Yeah. That's fucking. I I honestly love that. First of all, too, when you're playing, usually those limits are more... Well, I mean, I know it doesn't matter for him, yeah. but usually those limits are a little more expensive. But if you go to, like, places in Vegas like Excess, yeah, even at night when it's popping, if you go sit at those tables, you yeah. get free drinks. Oh, yeah, of course. It's fucking amazing. Um, well, anyway, he, he's dropping max But you're Betts. playing $100 minimum. Yeah,
0: big deal. Yeah. He's playing uh, uh, max bets, and they're not asking him for his ID and uh he gets a great situation in a shoe game and a few aces come out hmm. and he's able to shuffle track a sequence and it works perfectly so he gets three aces in a row and they all landed on his hand uh, his various hands that he spread out okay. and he wins all three hands at maximum wow. bet. so he gets an idea you know what that idea is take the whole table nope okay it's time to start ace with ace sequencing Ooh! Do you know what that is? Of course I don't. I never heard of ace sequencing either. Okay. So sequencing is an advantage play technique that involves following a string of cards. Now you got to remember, aces are very valuable to a player in blackjack. Mm-hmm. A player has a fifty-three percent advantage when dealt as uh, an ace as the first card. So we see an example of this, and you see three consecutive aces that pop out. And what you do is he mentally notes where those aces go yeah. in the discard tray. I love it. Okay. Then in the following hand, he, re- he memorizes those cards as well. So those are the cards that are going to precede the aces in the next shoe. Right. So he mentally notes these cards. And then, of course, he cuts the six decks. So he knows where these aces are going to pop out in the next shoe. Well, sure enough, those aces follow in
1: order. Wow. And of
0: course, he makes profit on those uh bets. those bets. Yeah. So he gets up six hundred thousand. Um, but he's been playing every day for three months. That was his peak, six hundred thousand, but then he gave three hundred thousand away. What a fucking swing, dude. How much did he win? He was up to six hundred thousand, okay, but then he lost three hundred thousand yeah. on that streak. Yeah. So then he strings together a few more wins. Uh, he takes down like a seventy-seven thousand dollars score in the Bahamas, and he feels like things are starting to turn around. Good. Uh, and he's basically on the home stretch of the around the country trip at this point. Yeah. So he's talking to his dad, and uh, his dad's like, "Why don't I just join you? You know, uh, come out come out of retirement for a little bit, and I'll oh, hit the boy. road with you." Oh, so they go to Albuquerque. How together. much money he got? He didn't.
1: They don't say. Does he play with his money? He don't say. Uh, does so, he's there playing at the tables with them. Oh yeah. Uh, so he picks up his real dad. Ken Griffey situation. Yeah, here. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like father, <laughs> like
0: son, like hell. Okay. So what's that from? <laughs> that's from uh, At Close Range, with uh, Sean Penn and Christopher Walken. It's got one of the worst trailers of all time. Good movie, shitty trailer. So anyway.
1: Uh, his dad lives in California. He lives in Vegas. Uh, but, uh, wait, wait. He, his dad lives in California, and the guy we're talking about, Casey? Yeah, he, he lives, lives in, in Vegas. Vegas. Okay. Yeah. So,
0: you know, it's All like right, a father. Where's the at in California, dude? Let's it, go visit him. It's like a father bonding thing. You know, they're in the RV. They're playing road games together, like name that license plate, slug bug, shit like that. Uh, <laughs> slug bug. <laughs> 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 Big booty. Ah, uh, Yeah. Big booty, big booty, big booty. So they're going to work in a little th- team theory because there's two of them. Yeah. So that's the thing. Most mm. players do team team play. Mm-hmm. And Casey's been lone wolf in it this whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, Daryl Purpose says the man that invented team play, mm-hmm. uh, it, of course, is Frank. And then he looks off camera. He's like, are we allowed to call him uh, Al Francisco?
1: Al wow, Francesco? Who's, who's Al Francesco?
0: Al Francesco, we talked about last episode, He says, all right, my name is... I have three names. All right. In the blackjack world, it's Al Francesco. Uh My original name is Frank Uh Schipiani. My legal name is Frank Salerno.
1: Yeah, I just went from
0: a French dude to an Italian guy? And my mob name is Frankie Three Fingers.
1: (laughs) Uh I'm kidding. I threw
0: that part in. Yeah. But the whole point is uh, the people in the blackjack world understand why we have different names. Well, Daryl Purpose says... He was the guy that years ago, we're talking about Francesco. He was the guy that was still in grade school. He went to Vegas and just watched people and how they acted at the table, what they did with their hands. Okay. What do you do with your hands? And he started making up... <laughs> Those six- our
1: finger banging.
0: No, He starts creating these signals Yeah.
1: for team players to
0: bring uh, yeah. them in yeah like the the
1: whole, the whole like thing with the hands behind the back right see the- that was in the movie yeah, 21 yeah, that's yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. way too obvious obviously in the movie 21 that girl crosses her arms yeah and it's like all right jump in the decks plus yeah. 10 that's we- way too fucking obvious yeah so he says that the signals that francesco created those original signals they still use those today so Casey and his dad, they're like, all right, put your hand in your hair. But, you know, when the count's up, just give your you know hand a, a wave through your hair. And he's like, no, nah, just do it on my chin. Uh, this means something. But if my fingers touch the hair, it means come on in. So anyway, um, they get, they're in this New Mexico region and they start finding some good games. Casey says he's getting a little heat, uh, but uh, not anything that he can't handle. So the pro, they, they go do a smash and grab game. Now, have you ever been at a table and you see players playing the wrong way and you'll see the superstitious players be like, dude, don't hit, don't hit. You're going to fuck up my hand because they're following them. Sure. So I don't do that. Okay, so this guy gets back.
1: I just make a... Yeah. Do you want to do yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Casey makes a killing. Because he's, or, doing- or if they actually do take my, hey dude, what's going on over there, man? <laughs> hey, what's going on over there?
0: Don't, don't uh, fuck up my shit,
1: man. Or this is a good move too. Just before, just before they're gonna hit. If they, if they're thinking about it, you know they're taking their time. Like they're stupid. Yeah, they're like they're not really sure what they want to do. Yeah. The if you look at the dealer and ask the dealer, what does the book say on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they'll then say it. Yeah, then yeah. they'll say it because yeah.
0: the dealers will will respond. You
1: had they have to respond with yeah. the correct answer, and that's yeah. always my game. What's the book say? What does the book say on this dealer? Uh, dealer send them uh, books and to hit. Well, the point of this is Casey gets a very
0: prosperous count in his game, mm-hmm. and of course, he's not playing the way you should be playing.
1: You should be playing better. You're well, playing like you're heating. You're, heat, you're heatering. No, you're, you're missing the heater. point. Okay. He's
0: got like a plus 10 count. Okay. So yeah. he's doubling on like 12. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, the yeah, people yeah, next yeah. to him are like, what are you fucking doing? Because they have no idea the count's so high. Ah. So they're getting all pissed off at him. And he's just raking in the money. Love it. And is, the pit Is he fucking boss,
1: over everybody else? No, but they're, okay. they're
0: just like, he's a moron. I can't wow. believe he's doing this, but whether they don't realize. You has got to be like, Dex hot, Dex hot. Yeah, you, that's, that's what I would be doing. Yeah, I'd Deck's, be hot, like, Deck's I, hot, Or just like, hot I, deck, hot deck. Or if you're smart, you just play it up and you're like, I don't <laughs> fucking care. Money means nothing to me. You know what I mean?
1: Your money means nothing to me.
0: So, um, this is a five Okay. Day.
1: So what is the, you said pit boss,
0: what? Oh, the pit bosses are laughing at him because he's playing so bad. But they don't realize they're getting
1: scammed because yeah, he's counting cards. They're fucking, they're getting creamed.
0: So anyway, um, it's a five deck game, which is advantageous because most shoes or shoots, as you call them, are six to eight. I never knew. That's a good one. That's um, a good one. So then they head off. Shoe. Wow. would have never known. They head off to Arizona. It looks like a fucking shoe, bro. It doesn't look like it a shoe. It doesn't
1: look like a shoe at all.
0: Buddy, did you see a retard sexual blowtorch's meme this week? Mm,
1: just, just little there's respect. There's too many graphics going on in our yeah, Discord it, channel right now. Yeah, he shows
0: it that it's the shape of a
1: shoe. <sighs> okay.
0: So anyway, uh, they go to Arizona, and uh, they play at Camp Verde at Cl- uh, Cliff Castle, uh-huh. and um, he's got like a 2-3 deck winning streak in a super high count situation. So he does fairly well there. Um, but he does say this w- losing streak I had was the, lo- the biggest I'd ever had. I played every day for three months and was down over $325,000. I've been able to maintain the momentum I had in the South, in the Bahamas, in Florida, through these su- Southwestern states and recovered about 60 to 70% of what I lost. Good. So Bill Zender. He's the author of card counting for the casino manager. So
1: wait, does it say does it have like a tracker at how much oh, yeah. he's
0: at right now? Oh, how much yeah. has he
1: made at this point, roughly? Well, you see the
0: charts. They show they break it down by casino. Yeah. Every casino it's either like a win or a loss and it has sure. the exact sure. dollar sure. amount. So it's it's interactive in that regard. Yeah. Um well he's like seven, r- at one point. Yeah. I mean, his high was like six hundred. He oh. lost three twenty-five of that and brought. Oh, so like back. when
1: you're talking about his stack, yeah, you're talking about every time you mention his stack, you're talking about his whole stack. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like going in with his whole stack. Yeah. Oh fuck. He's
0: got fucking close to six hundred grand one at this point.
1: Yeah. And you know? how much is he buying in for usually?
0: I would say he's probably uh, spreading anywhere between hundred to five hundred a hand, oh. from what I
1: noticed. That's such a grind, dude. How? Oh. Many, what are his sessions like, you think? Eight to ten hours. So, like, each sit-down session is roughly eight to ten hours. Uh-huh. So starts in the morning, ends in, like, the afternoon. Well, I'll
0: keep in mind, depends. If he gets a hole, Carter, yeah. he's going to a graveyard. Yeah, he do not gra- give a fuck when they're dealing. Going gravy. Yeah, it's like being in a really good poker game. And that's why poker players just have the shittiest lifestyles. Because you get in a game, and let's say you've been running like shit forever, and then the whale jumps in and proceeds to drink 14 cocktails in an hour and a half. It's 4 a.m. You can't leave the table. Yeah. And that's what sucks about cards. You know, you don't, you can't leave a good game. Yeah. And the worst is, we have an expression, is it's raining money, and I'm holding a fucking pitchfork. So you could be in an ideal situation, and you just be card dead. Yeah. And, you know, but it's, again, it's the law of large numbers. You got to play through those sessions. Right. You know, you got to (laughs) wait. So, anything, Bill says, Blackjack, I think, has probably run its course. But then, if you look at it, I've been going since the 60s. uh, So, much farther is the course going to go? How much farther is the course going to go? Well, back in 2000, I was at a gaming conference and I ran into Arnold Snyder. And he, we got to talking. I said, Arnold, I think blackjack is going to be history. Uh, Boy, a gaming conference has a whole different meaning these days. Yeah, right. Uh, and I don't think it's going to be attackable in five years. And he says, well, it was 2005, so obviously I was completely wrong. <laughs> well, Max Rubin says, the blackjack players are smarter than the casino operators. Fact of life. Those guys are watching somebody else's money. We're playing our own. While the casinos are sleeping, and those guys are at home, we're thinking there's always a new move coming along. Right now, people in blackjack are making as much money as they made five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. There's always something else out there, not just card counting, but there's always going to be something. Well, Richard Munchkin says, yeah, I think the future of advantage play is extremely bright. The people that adapt continue to make money and still make money to this day. Every year somebody tells me blackjack is dead and every year advantage play has just gotten better and better and better. Well, Max Rubin says, I don't see in the reasonable foreseeable future that blackjack is going to be dead to any of us. Should we drop the
1: pod and just get the fuck out of here? Let's go, baby. I need a massage.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, James Grosjean says, uh, for us, the clock never stops working you know, working all the time. And so the game goes on. So Casey gets back to Vegas. He's exhausted. He says, the last 12 months I spent grinding casinos, working in a hostile environment, it really took its toll on me. The wins, the losses. I'm glad this chapter of my career was profitable. His dad says he's taken things that I did and gone to the next level with them. He's ambitious, and he's done well, and he has no reason not to be successful. But I hope he realizes that there are better things to do with his life. Yeah. Could you do this? I mean, let's say you were making, uh, let's say you were clearing 400 grand a year, but you're on the road.
1: Okay, well, obviously, if I already know going into I'm making 400 grand a year. You don't know that for sure. I, that would definitely be better than my current job. Yeah. But... But do you think you have the mental fortitude? To I don't go, know that I do. Yeah. I don't know if I have it for, for this type of shit. The I'm other thing really.
0: is, you can't play drunk or high.
1: Yeah, I'm not doing that. I, <laughs> I need to be able to do things that I can do drunk or high. Literally anything else. So you, there's no chance for No, you. man. I ain't fucking doing that. That's Too ratty. Okay. Well, Stan
0: Thompson says it really makes no difference where Casey ends up. The skills that he's learned from Blackjack, where does that lead? Only the future will tell. People in life who are going to be successful as his dad was, and Casey is very much like his, fa- he's very much like his father that way. Yeah. Well, Casey says, I still like the rush of beating a casino. But for me, the game has changed. I'm no longer welcomed as a high roller. I'm now trying to fly under the radar, having to work really hard just to play, and it's tough. It's a super grind. It's not what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. I'm thankful I had the experience. I'm thankful that I got the skills that I should hopefully be able to take a new phase of my life. I don't know what the next step is, but it's become clear to me at this point that professional blackjack is behind me. And that's how the film ends. Wow.
1: But But wait. wait... There's, There's more.
0: more. We see a title come up that says a month and a half later. Casey's on the phone with Chris Buddy, who's the director of the film. He says, hey, CB, what's up? It's Casey. Just checking in. I just got a call from my dad. He's down in Florida playing golf and came across a whole card game. He said it might be a six-figure opportunity, so I'm <laughs> jumping on the next plane and heading down there. Hope all's well. Give me a ring. Mm-hmm. We see Casey jump on the plane. as the credits roll, and that ends uh, the film.
1: Nice. Yeah. So what was his net at the end? That's the thing. They don't get into it.
0: What the fuck, it man? it kind of bugged me. Because uh, I'm going to say safely. Some IRS bullshit. I'm going to say it was probably 500, 500 grand to okay. be safe.
1: That's cool.
0: So he hit his he hit his goal. He did. But here's, here's the thing. I wanted more. This was very anticlimactic for an ending. Um, and I, my guess is they ran out of money. Oh, no. Yeah, I think they ran out of money shooting this thing.
1: Oh, I see. Because
0: so much of the the footage is from the director, Chris Buddy, uh, obviously doing the shooting on his own. Hmm. So very, very small crew when right. it came to inside the casinos where he's getting all this you great footage. You have yeah. Um, it's frustrating, though, because as somebody who's watching this, I wanted to see a full breakdown. I wanted to see this is what the RV cost. This is mm. what I spent on food. Mm-hmm. These were the, you know, how much I spent on
1: gas. Also, you got to think about a lot of that stuff too. Like when you're there, mm-hmm. when you're at the casino, it's probably getting a lot of that stuff comped also.
0: Yeah, but I want to see that. I, I want to see the full breakdown. Me too. So I would say the gross that he pulled was like 500K. Cool. Um, but as a movie, here's the thing you know me, I love gambling. I love reading about it. I love uh, participating in it. (laughs) I love... It's a hobby. It it is. Uh, I've always been fascinated by gambling. But if I was going to dock this, Uh, I'm going to say it's a two and a half docking. Fair. Now, if you're a fan... Out of four. It's a four. Because you're going to learn so much about the, the game itself. Right. And advantage play in general. Okay. So that's kind of where I leave this. Okay. Uh, I say, you know, if, if this if the subject matter is interesting to you, you're going to love it. As a layperson, it's probably going to be two and a half stars. Now, the other thing is a lot of people, I think, are going to get frustrated saying, I don't understand a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. which is why we're going to break down part two and give them a little bit more information. Let's hear it, baby. Well, <laughs> let's just back up a little bit on card counting because we need to learn more about card counting. Yeah. Card counting is not date backs
1: to the sixteen hundreds.
0: Oh, we'll get there. Card counting is not illegal, okay, which we've discussed. Uh, Nor is it under federal, state, or local laws in the United States, provided that no external card counting device or person assists the player in counting cards. So, for example. Let's say I'm at a BG t- BJ table. Yeah. And the guy behind you. Yeah, you him,
1: can't obviously, yeah, but you can't have anything assisting you. Right. Like so a, you can a, just card a guy calendar. could be
0: seeing the whole cards yeah, behind. Yeah. yeah you yeah. can't signal them. No, over. no, of
1: course. And of
0: course, you can't use any wearable electronic devices. Of course, of course. So um, <clears throat> Macau. Do you know Macau much?
1: Yeah, then the that's in either China yeah, or. Yeah, it's in
0: China. It's the only legal gambling location in China. Yeah. Well, they don't fucking ritzy as hell. Oh, there's so much money going through that place. Yeah, it's all money laundering. They don't technically prohibit card counting, but casinos—they're—they'll
1: fucking kill you, dude. They'll deperson you. They'll rip, dude. Who knows what they'll—they'll put you in a Uyghur Muslim camp. I think fuck account cards in China. It was way too risky. I don't understand why is there a chicken on this card. (laughs) I don't know what I don't know what that is. Hit me, (laughs) I guess. I don't know what this means. <laughs> Let's go back to the basics.
0: Now, you remember, of course, Dave, how to count cards, right? Yeah, plus one, minus one. For
1: which cards? The Anything above a seven or something, or a six? Two through seven. Okay.
0: Okay, that's when you're dropping, dropping your plus ones. And then uh, what do you do with the high cards? Ten yeah, through A's? You add them. You subtract one.
1: Subtract one. I keep, I keep getting mixed up.
0: Now, you got to remember... Blackjack has been manipulated because back in the day, it used to pay three to two. Now, most casinos have changed it to six to five, meaning the actual blackjack if you hit 21. So you have to remember, doubling down it cr- increases uh, EV, which is what? It was the um, the something value. The expected, expected value. Expected value. Mm-hmm. And the elevated ratio of 10s and aces improves the prob- probability yeah. that doubling down will succeed. Now, most common hands to double down on are 11, 10, and 9. So if you hit a 10, you're going to hit 21. If you had 11, you're going to hit 20. If you got a 10, you're going to hit 19 if yes. you have a 9. So um, additional splitting is crucial to uh, making money counting cards. So you want to make sure when you go into a casino... They're not going to limit your splits.
1: so Right. Oh, what do you mean by limit? Like you can literally.
0: Let's say I've yeah. got Aces, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I split them. And, yeah, And, and I draw, draw another They Some
1: I, casinos may, may not let
0: you. May not let me re-split or mm-hmm. double. Now, you can always double on your split. But again, you want to make sure and ask, hey, can I double on my splits and can mm-hmm. I re-split? So that's, that's something that's very, very important because that's when your, uh, your advantage goes through the roof. Yeah. So um, card counters, there's a common misconception that they're using mental abilities. Mm-hmm. This is to the layman. Right. And some people think that they're, oh, they're memorizing the entire deck. No. Well, of course, we know that not to be true. You're just trying to get the running count. But the myth that counters track every card is somewhat well-known due to the movie Rain Man. Oh, yeah. Do you remember Rain Man?
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of like, definitely, definitely 270, 276. <laughs> Those Two, are the toothpicks. 245. There's four in the box. Yeah, definitely 245.
0: Um, So in that movie, Raymond, he counts six decks with ease, and a casino employee comments, it's impossible yeah, to do gotta so. Got to get my boxer shorts from Kmart. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> boxer Wap- shorts. Wapner comes on at 6. Yeah. I so, um what we also need to discuss is
1: what's known as EOR. Any guesses? EOR. Uh-huh. Um okay. some something on return or No, it's the effect of removal. Effect of removal. Okay. Yep.
0: So, Counters gauge the effect of removal for all cards dealt and how that affects the current house edge. Hmm. Larger ratios between point values create better correlations to actual EOR. Okay. Increasing the efficiency of a system. Such systems are classified as level one, level two, and level three.
1: You just did a three, you just did a two. I did three, a, four and a four with my hand. You did a 2, 3, and 4 instead of a 1, 2, and 3, though. I know. wild. I know. So then you have
0: things, uh, uh, variables that you need to uh, take into account, like betting correlation, mm-hmm. uh, which is when the that's sum... That's the BC. That's the BC, when the sum of all permutations of the undealt cards the EDC, offers the a UDC. positive yeah. expectation. The P.E. Okay, let's go over P.E. Uh, a portion of the expected profit comes from modifying playing strategy based, based on the known altered cards. This is when you're doing crazy shit, yeah. like doubling down on 12 when the dealer's showing a, seven, right. or a 10 or whatever. Yeah, 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 So, And then you have insurance correlation. A portion of expected gain from counting cards comes from taking the insurance bet, which becomes profitable. Now, here's the thing. Everybody will tell you when you sit down and the dealer says, do you want insurance? It's a sucker bet. Yeah. It's you're never supposed to take it. Right. But when you're counting cards, it is something you're going to want to take based on the count. Right. Nice. So like if you have a really shitty uh, or a favorable count, um, that's when you're going to want to take the insurance bet. Right. Now, some strategies count the ace uh, and some do not. Uh, including aces in the count improves betting correlation since the ace is the most valuable card in the deck for betting purposes. However, since the ace can either be counted as one or 11, including an ace in the count, decreases the accuracy of playing efficiency. Since PE is more important in single and double deck games and BC is more important in shoe games, counting the ace is more important in shoe games. So we got to remember that. Okay. Because we're going to be shoeing it. Yeah. Um, Meshwing it. uh, And then, of
1: course, um, we need to talk a little bit more about uh, wonging. Do we now? Yeah. What's wonging? And how do they spell it? (laughs) Uh, W-O-N-G-I-N-G. Okay. Wonging.
0: Well, it comes from back counting. Bat counting? Back back counting. Back counting. Back counting or wonging consists of standing behind a blackjack table and counting the cards as they're dealt. Well, it gets its term from a man named
1: Stanford Wong. No shit. <laughs> Sorry. No shit. Well, he is the one that fucking wonging it, motherfucker. <laughs> he was the first Stupid person piece of shit just wonging it back there to pr-
0: propose back counting. So I want to give you a little information on Do the you? longer. Give me the Wong skis. That's not even his real name. Oh God! His real name is John Ferguson. What? But his pen name was Stanford Wong. So he wrote uh, the book. Professional. Um, so he
1: was a round eye.
0: His pen name was a round eye. <laughs> yeah. No. No. He was a round
1: eye. Yeah. His pen name was. Slanted. Was slanted. Italicized. <laughs> Italicized eye? <laughs> Clip it. <laughs>
0: oh my god! Italicized die. Very yep. well done. <laughs> Italicized. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave, that might be the best joke you've ever yeah, written.
1: righty, baby.
0: Okay, anyway, let's get back to the longer. So he publishes this book in 1975, and he also had a computer program called Blackjack Analyzer. Now, this was initially created for his personal use, and it was one of the first pieces of commercially available Blackjack odds analyzing software. So (laughs) Blackjack... In general, let's get back to Wong here. So Wong starts playing blackjack in 1964 while he's teaching finance courses at San Francisco State. He's working on a PhD uh, in finance at Stanford at the time. Okay. So he finds himself that he's not content with teaching life. So he agreed to be paid a salary of $1 for his last term of teaching if he didn't have to go into the, any of the faculty meetings and he was allowed to gamble. <laughs> they were like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay. So the term Wong or uh-huh. Wonging has come to mean a specific advantage technique in blackjack. Well, Wong made Wonging popular in the 1980s. Did he? So again, it involves watching the play of cards in a game, without
1: actually wagering your money. So you're in the Isn't back. Isn't it funny that they just changed wonging, like, w- they just changed watching to, to wonging. wonging. Yeah. It's like specifically watching in a casino. It's fucking wonging it. So wonging basically just means you're just standing in the back, yeah, yeah. counting the cards. Yeah, waiting for an opportune time.
0: Well, and then you're signaling somebody in yeah. to wong in. <laughs> to fucking wong along. Uh-huh. Wong. Now, wonging is the reason that some casinos have signs on some blackjack tables saying no mid-shoe entry, okay? Meaning that a you new player... You have to wait until... Correct. Mm. You can't walk in mid-shoe because
1: they're concerned that there's wongers. Wongers. <laughs> <laughs> Those dirty wongers are moving in. <laughs> Bring the fucking property value down. So... Um, He's also reviewed or acted as a consultant. I'm Wong, and then a motherfucker uh,
0: for uh, for blackjack writers and researchers. Uh, Wong is known to have been the principal operator of Team Advantage players that targeted casino tournaments, including blackjack, craps, and video poker in the Vegas area. Um, and at the beginning of his team's operation, Wong was the prime primary financier. Uh, providing all the travel expenses and stakes for his players, Wong is also a member of the BJ Hall of Fame. So in 1979, Wong so started. Is
1: Jenna Jameson.
0: <laughs> Wong started publishing newsletters on blackjack. Wow, and these grew into one of the major journals for professional blackjack players. Uh, he currently has a uh, 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 what do you call it? A journal called Current Blackjack a News. A diary. Um and ranking with Arnold Snyder's Blackjack Forum. And as of 2007, Wong's newsletter is published via Wong's official website. Uh, the journal contains information and rules and conditions of blackjack games at casinos in the United States and other countries. So if you want to check out his site, um, Stanford Wong's BJ21 has been online since 97. Mm. Contains a free area and a restricted subscribers only area Mm. called Green Chip. And every month, Mm. one message from the restricted area is selected by Wong himself as Post of the Month, and its author wins a $100 prize.
1: Wow. The
0: record holder for Post of the Month award uh, went to Math Prof, who got 16 in a row. It's not bad. Now, I, I We spoke about craps a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, Wong wrote Wong on Dice. Uh, this sounds like... Yeah, go on. This, the reason I bring this up is I've always been fascinated about dice control and whether it's legit or not.
1: Yeah, dice control. You can't control me. I'm fucking dice. I'm over here now. I used to be over there now. I'm over here now.
0: It was pretty good.
1: So he purported in
0: Wong on Dice. <laughs> it's a bad name. Who the fuck is this chink
1: motherfucker? <laughs>
0: That's a really bad name for a book on like how to play dice. Yeah, Cause it sounds, you know, cause they dropped their R's. Dice, dice, please. Some, I would name. think some people would read it as wrong on dice, yeah. but they can't say that. Wong, on, just, dice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's Wong on, on dice. dice. Yeah, Wong on dice. Wong on dice. So, Well, you need some dental
0: floss. The book purports to show that casino craps can be beaten through what we spoke about earlier, which is controlled dice throwing. Now, many blackjack experts are skeptical of Wong's craps claims, and this is a hotly disputed issue, Uh, unlike card counting, which can be mathematically proven. Well, Wong himself was initially skeptical of the proposition that dice could be controlled. Now, dice control is a controversial theory where opponents claim that individuals can learn to carefully toss the dice to influence the outcome. A small but dedicated community of dice shooters claim proof of dice influencing in casino conditions. The concept of such precision shooting claims to elevate craps from a random game of chance to sport like bowling, darts, or pool. Wow. Many within the advantage gambling community still doubt if dice control can overcome the house advantage on craps. So, as we talked,
1: what do you think dice control is? I mean, it's got to be a way you like, you throw the dice so that it hits off away and you, you, you probably try to make it perfect every single time. You throw it on the same numbers and you... So, here's the deal. It comes off the wall.
0: You talked about setting dice. Yes. It's not just setting the dice. It purports to involve limiting the rotational characteristics of the dice. Yes. So the theory is if the dice are properly gripped and tossed at the correct angle, they will land just before the back wall. That's exactly what I try to do. mm -hmm, Of the craps table, then gently touch the wall, greatly increasing the probability of their remaining on the same axis. Yeah. If executed properly,
1: <laughs> you're excited. Yeah, we fuck this podcast. And go throw some
0: yeah. dice. Let's do roadcast. Uh no, let's just fuck this podcast. Yeah. Let's go throw some dice. Forever. If executed properly and consistently, this technique would be able to change the game's long-term odds from the house's favor to the player's favor.
1: I'm telling you, I went on a 42 roll. Streak uh, skankfest last think, year. I think you might be exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. I went on. I rolled 42 times. We counted. How many? How long was that roll? Hour? Mm, yeah, 30 minutes. Okay, a little bit less than 30 I, minutes. I don't recall what don't the exact lasted, record is. It
0: might have even been 20 minutes almost. But Dom the Dice Man, the Dominator. Yeah. I think his his record was like four hours plus on a no, single no, roll. No, no, no. It was like insane. Um, well uh, Chris Paul Leckie. He wrote, uh, get the edge. It grabs how to control dice. He explains the math and science behind dice control. And of course, Wong also discusses dice control. Um, Jerry Patterson co-developed par. You know what that stands for? No. Patterson rhythm rule. I mean, in 1997, how am I supposed to know that? i it's not I even P A know- R. it's P R R. I agree. I was kind of upset with that too. Um, In that book, it claims to be the first course on how to set and control dice. So that came out in 97. Well, let's get to the debate over dice control. Jim Klimish, director of casino operations for Indiana's Empress Casino Hammond, believes it is sometimes possible to control the dice with certain throws that do not hit the back wall. One example is the army blanket roll, named after the playing surface of the dice games of American servicemen during World War II. In the Army Blanket Roll, a player sets the dice on an axis and gently rolls or slides them down the table. If the shooter is successful, the dice will not leave the axis they are rolled on and will come to rest before hitting the back wall. A successful shooter would effectively affect the odds. Now, we know this. That's not going to work in Vegas. Because yes. you still have to touch the back wall.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yes. Sometimes mm. they. You have to at least. I, okay. I don't know if it's necessarily a rule that you have to touch the back wall. You. It ha- is. Because they've done it to me. No, no, but like they won't. Like if you do it a couple times in a row, they'll they'll they might make you roll again. But if you do it once. If you they're, do it once they're not going to do it they're, they're not gonna probably
0: a, not going to going to ask
1: you yeah, but they're just, i they're going to just say please hit the back but i've time.
0: done it enough where they're like dude come on put 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 your arm into it and yeah. they, you know they're like we're not going to accept that role. Uh, Or they'll they, call like, no most,
1: most most casinos they they let you just get into the area like the like there's an area where as long as the dice hits goes into the area right. it's fine but I don't but think they don't let you slide it. No, no, no. No, no. You're, it has to come off the floor.
0: The idea that I understood is you want to sit in the middle of the box across from yep. the, the main boxman. Mm-hmm. So you're only throwing half the distance to the table. Wait, 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 wait. Say it again. When you're tossing your dice, you yeah. want to be in the middle of the table, not at one of the ends. Oh, really? Because of the distance. Interesting. And then you use your hand. Like a pivot. Oh shit! And then you. I've been doing it all wrong. Then (laughs) you toss them one time after you set them. Yeah. So that it bounces only one time, right in front of the table. So you're trying to make sure that your bounce is bouncing just one time. Yeah. Not multiple times. Right. And hopefully you're hitting. All right, dude. Let's go to vague. Yeah, fuck the podcast, right? Well. Again, the yes. chances of altering the odds when the dice bounce off a surface of rubber, rubber pyramids is uh, much slimmer. No matter what access the dice were on before they hit. Dice control proponents advocate a throw that generally bounces off the back wall and comes to rest after barely touching it. So this is what I was basically saying. Now, early experiments conducted on the subject of dice control had inconclusive results. In a more sophisticated study published in 2020, a purpose-built dice-throwing machine Ooh. failed to achieve any significant advantages Aww. under several scenarios, Aww. casting serious doubt on the potential for dice control to be successfully practiced <sighs> by humans.
1: At the very least, you can at least get a consistent throw every single time and With- then learn at least kind of how your throws are have grown. What do you mean? Like you, at the very least, it's good to roll consistent every single time. I don't know. I could be wrong. Who fucking knows? Yeah, it's probably yeah. Well, <clears throat> I always start on snake eyes. Put both dice on snake eyes. Yep. Hold them, and I try to do the one bounce. Right, and I set good mine. Dish, I bump. set mine on
0: evens. I want it to go the fours, fours, sixes, and eights, mm. so I can hit my hard ways. So they're all on the same access. You know what I mean?
1: Interesting. So interesting.
0: Okay. Um, let's get to uh, Stanford Wong. Like I said, that's not his real name. It's John Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Well, he originally wanted to go
1: by Nevada Smith. Right. Uh, but that name was taken. <laughs> uh, by who? Nevada Smith? <laughs> I guess. So I was, wonder what Nav- Nevada Smith's first name was. Well, he studied. <laughs> Something fucking <laughs> stupid and gay, I bet. He, he ended with Stanford Wong. Because uh, f- of all the names, no,
0: no. Because listen to this. Okay. A friend in the PhD program uh, told him by taking his alma mater as the first name and an Asian last name, uh, it would sound like the mystique of the Orient. <laughs> so that's why. <laughs> okay. That's why he went with that. Let's get back to Wonging, shall we? Two wongs don't make a ro- <laughs> white, yes, right? Two wongs don't make a white. <laughs> Uh, Okay, so a player will enter or wong in to the game when the count reaches a point at which the player has an advantage. Makes sense, right? Yeah. At that point, the player raises their bets um, and then they lower their bets if their advantage goes down. Correct. Well, some back counters prefer to flat bet and only bet the same amount once they've entered the game. Some players will stay at the table until the game is shuffled or they may wong out. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Or leave when the count reaches a level at which they no longer have an advantage. So back counting. Hang out with your Wong out. (laughs) Back counting is generally done on shoe games of four to six or eight decks. Okay. It can be done in pitch games, which are one or two decks. The reason for this is that the count is more stable in a shoe game. Yeah. So a player will be less likely to sit down for one or two hands, and then have to get up. And again, as we talked, mini casinos don't allow mid-shoe entry in single or double decks, right. which makes longing pretty much impossible. Right. Another reason is that mini casinos exhibit more effort to thwart card counters on their pitch games rather than their shoe games. Yes. So because you don't have as big of an advantage on a shoe game as you do a pitch game because right, it's right, only right. two decks. Right, right. Have you ever sat in a pitch game before? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool because they it literally throw the cards in the air and pitch them to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they stand. They don't, you know, they don't just turn them over. They right. pitch. They yeah, throw yeah. them. Yeah. So let's talk about the advantages. Well, um, back counting differs from traditional card counting in that the player does not play every hand they see. Yeah. This offers several advantages. For one, the player does not have uh, play hands without a statistical advantage. Right. So this increases the total advantage of the player. Another advantage is that the player does not have to change their bet size as much or at all. Large variations in bet size, of course, is one way we know Five. the casinos are looking out for you. Yep. Now the disadvantage to, to back counting is that the player frequently does not stay at the table long enough to earn comps. Another disadvantage is that some players may become irritated with players who enter in the middle of a game. You know these assholes. Yep, They believe that this interrupts the flow. Uh, Their resentment may not merely be superstition, though as this practice will negatively uh, impact the other players at the table, with one fewer player at the table when the card composition becomes unfavorable, the other players will play through more hands under those conditions as they will use up fewer cards per hand. Similarly, they will play fewer hands in the rest of the shoe if the advantage player slips in during the middle of the shoe. When the cards become favorable with one more player, more of those favorable cards will be used up per hand. Yeah. This negatively impacts the other players, whether they are counting cards or not. Also, a player who obviously hops in and out is going to show heat you know, from casino personnel. Right. So let's talk about a little bit more about group counting. When a single player can maintain their own advantage with back counting, card counting is most often used by teams of players to maximize their advantage. In such a team, some players called spotters will sit at a table and play the game at the table minimum. Mm -hmm. So they're looking discreet, but they're sitting there doing all the work counting the cards. So they're keeping the count. When the count is significantly high, the spotter will discreetly signal another player known as the big player. Right. Okay?
1: Yeah, the money player.
0: And you're basically saying the table's hot. Get your ass in here. Swing your dick. Mm-hmm. It's time to party. Well, the big player will
1: then, what, Dave? Wong in. Wong <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> and wager. Your- it's like the Eskimos. It's the same word for a bunch of different things. Uh, I guess it's true. you wong in. You're wonging. You, you're a wonger. All right. Um so of
0: course when the big player comes in they're betting the table maximum and they're not raising and lowering the bets yeah and then once the deck settles and the the card the yeah. count becomes yeah. low what do you think they're going to do the bounce well they're going to wong out they wang the fuck out so then they go to other tables where other people are spotters Just fucking and counting.
1: Wong it up over there.
0: Yeah. Now, here's the thing wow. this system was oh. utilized to perfection by the MIT blackjack team. Right. Now, how much did they end up taking? We're going to talk about it. Now, of course, you know they were the inspiration for In the movie 21. Right. With the rapist, Kevin with, Spacey. <laughs> with the spacist. Yeah. But <laughs> that was also, uh, there was a movie before that a Canadian film called The Last Casino. Ah. Oh. And then it was remade into 21, which I did not know. More on the MIT blackjack team later. The main advantage of group play is that the team can count several tables at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then you go with the best one? Well, you're just constantly <clears throat> circling. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the idea is you play the the big player, plays as a maniac, and mm. it's just drinking and partying. Mm-hmm. But every time he gets to a table, it's ready to go. Yeah. So... Um, it also allows redundancy while the big player is seated as both the counter and big player can keep the count as in the movie 21. The spotter can communicate the count to the big player discreetly as they sit down. The disadvantages include requiring multiple spotters who can keep an accurate count, splitting the take, of course, between team members, right. and requiring spotters to play a table regardless of uh, of if the count is good or not. So that's the whole thing. You yeah. still have to have people sitting there playing at a, a negative EV situation because they're just playing the minimum, but that's still, you, know, not great, right. But it makes up for it in the long run when you get these massively high counts and signal in the, B, the big player. Yeah. Now a simple variation removes the loss of having spotters play. The spotters simply watch the table instead of playing, and then they signal the big player to long in yeah. as normal. Yeah, The disadvantages of this variation are reduced ability of the spotter and big player to communicate, mm-hmm. reduced comps as the spotters are not sitting down, and vastly increased I like how suspicion. I
1: comps into the situation here.
0: Well, and then you have increased suspicion because you're not even sitting at the table. Yeah. And if you're just standing there, People are like, what's going on? Because blackjack is not a spectator sport. Yeah, sometimes. Well, but not compared to like craps. Not craps or Wheel of Fortune that have these huge audiences that just sit there. So we're going to talk about ranging bet sizes and the Kelly Criterion, which I've never heard of. All right. A mathematical principle called the Kelly Criterion indicates that the bet increases should be proportional to the player's advantage. Mm Mm-hmm. So in practice, this means that the higher the count, the more the player should bet to take advantage of the edge. Using this principle, a counter can vary bet sizes in proportion to the advantage dictated by count. Mm -hmm. This essentially creates what's known as a bet ramp, according to the principles of the Kelly Criterion. A bet ramp is a betting plan with a specific bet size tied to each true count value in such a way that the player proportionally to the player's advantage to maximize bankroll. Excuse me, they wager. So taken to its conclusion, the Kelly criterion demands that a player not bet anything when the deck does not offer positive EV. So that's yeah, interesting yeah, because yeah. I would think you're already, you're already pushing your your luck yeah. by counting cards. Right. And the safest way to do it is to not raise and lower your bets. But the Kelly criterion takes it a step further and says, if you're going to do this, you might as well fucking do it and go yeah, for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, seriously. <laughs> so once that thing gets up to plus 20, you got to like start doing your bet. Yeah, you got to really start. throw in. Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's yeah, talk yeah. about expected profit. We touched on this in the first episode. Historically, blackjack, if you play perfect strategy, um, the house has less than a one half percent advantage. Now more casinos have switched games to dealer hits soft seventeen and blackjack six to five as opposed to three to two. Mm-hmm. So the average increase in Nevada is now a full one percent. And then a card counter who ranges bets appropriately in a six deck game—that means they have to raise and lower. Yeah, they're only going to have a one percent advantage over the casino. Now, advantages of up to 2.5% are possible at normal penetrations from counting six deck Spanish 21 for the soft 17 right. or hard 17 with redoubling games. This amount varies based on the counter skill level. Penetration, which is the biggest element in all of this? How deep you can get in. Yeah. Penetration is Pen- crucial. Yes, it is. <laughs> So, the problem is the variance in blackjack is, blackjack is still so high that it can take hundreds and hundreds of hours to see your profit. Right. So, um, at a table where a player averages $100 a bet per hour, a 1% advantage means you're only going to win a yeah, dollar per bullshit. hour. Yeah. So, that translates to an average winning of 50% if the player is dealt 50 hands per hour, $50. Yeah. So pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating when you look at like how specific this can get um, under one set of circumstances, a player with a one to 15 unit bet spread with one deck, right? Uh, cut off a six uh, deck game. will enjoy an advantage as much as 1.2%. Mm. So It's highly advisable if you're listening to the show and you were a little jacked up like you were and I were. Yep. That you don't do this unless you have what, Dave? Money. Exactly. Bankroll. You need a massive bankroll. And fucking patience. And the rule of thumb is you need 100 times of the maximum bet to even think about doing this.
1: Now, this is interesting. So I should be going places where there's 20-cent Correct. Correct. Min- minimums. Twenty-five cent minimum. Quarter. Correct. Uh,
0: another aspect of the probability of card counting is that at higher counts, the player's probability of winning a hand is only slightly changed and still below fifty percent. The player's edge over the house on such hands does not come from the player's probability of winning the hands. Instead, it comes from the increased probability of blackjacks. Okay. And because obviously we know they pay six to five or three to two, which isn't even money. Yeah. And you, your gain is increasingly higher when it comes to doubling, splitting, and then surrender. And of course the insurance side bet. So many factors affect expected profit. Um, the overall efficiency of a card counting system at detecting player advantage affects how often the player will actually play a hand at advantage per period of time. Uh, the overall efficiency of creating player advantage as a whole—a system may indicate a small advantage when, in fact, the advantage is much larger. Jesus Christ, I'm, I don't even know where the fuck we are anymore. We're talking about penetration.
1: Okay,
0: <laughs> keep going. Penetration, yeah, will almost directly affect the magnitude of player advantage. Will that it is exploitable, and the rate that hands are dealt with a player at advantage. Yeah. Game speed is a factor.
1: Okay. Podcast speed is a factor. I here get too. it.
0: I get it. Jesus so the Christ. problem is it's not as easy to do as Obviously. Used. Well, let me tell you why. Easy. Okay. Because these morons, the house is the house, and they know what they're doing, so they've created side bets. Remember back in the day it was yeah. just blackjack? Yeah.
1: Now they have uh, no bus blackjack. They have no bus, They have um, queen's. Queen, queen, uh, same suit. It pays like 50 to one. Oh, uh, yeah. They have like the bonuses. Correct.
0: So you have all like these this, little You have you've lotto-fied it. Correct. So all of these things to cut into your hourly because it takes more time for the dealer to work to pay these uh, stupid little bets. stupid bets. They say you got to do
1: them every time.
0: Yep. No, you don't. No, I mean, like,
1: bets. no I mean, like if you're going to play those type of tables, you're supposed to play those you're things. You're not. Really? They're all negative because, EV. Because but then but those are also like this is like in Baccarat <laughs> when I play poker and some
0: loser comes down. I used to the dragon, I make forty to one, I have money, I come back and play
1: poker. Dragging these fucking balls around your chin. The point is they're all sucker bets. Okay, I just figured I I just figured that because that if you're already playing those games, mm-hmm. you're already at a disadvantage because the odds are not the same as regular old blackjack. So why put yourself at a more because, disadvantage? Like like for example because you usually gotta pay Annie for those type of games, don't you? You have to pay what? An ante. No. That's, oh, okay.
0: That's only if you're on uh a casino like over reservation. Here. Yeah, I know over yeah, here yeah, or or the they banking play. system, like or, they use. or the corporation. Yeah, in Vegas, you don't have to pay the I know juice. that, I know
1: that, I know that, I know the juice. Yeah. We said a juice. Yeah. Um I know that, but I'm just saying that like that's why maybe over here it's a little bit different. Maybe they may they say you should just play it because No, they're all... Here's the thing. There's a reason you don't play house games. No, I know. You never play them.
0: Right. The only one that's worth playing is blackjack. Right. Now, here's the thing. Automatic shuffler machines. uh, In rare cases, a dealer dedicated solely to shuffling a new shoe while another is in play. Well, that eliminates the need for the dealer to shuffle the shoe prior to dealing in a new one, which increases game speed. But, of course, it hurts the player. Now...
1: Let's talk about detection. What kind of detection?
0: Pit bosses. Oh, yeah. The eye in the sky. Computer analysis. The Griffin book. Biometric software. OSN. Um, there's one good news I found out about this. What is that? That I never knew. Griffin. They went bankrupt. So they got sued by some players for defamation. Wow! And they cropped out. Nice. <laughs> so that was kind of cool to, to learn that. Um, again, let's talk about what you do, what you got to avoid to, to
1: draw heat. Well, bankruptcy is like a protection for predatory uh, lawsuits, also.
0: Yeah, but uh, they paid out like twenty five thousand. Not big numbers to these guys. Twenty five, yeah. like fifty grand. Yep. Yeah,
1: good. So.
0: Here are the signals that, of course, you want to avoid to get detective. Buying in with massive amounts of money. That's always a red flag. What's
1: um, massive amounts, though?
0: Uh, I would say 10 to 20 times the table limit, you know? Mm. Um, the other thing is, we've talked about this many times, the variation on the bet, especially bets placed at the end of a shoe. Because that's of course when people are shuffle tracking, and they're waiting for that last slug to come in. Yeah. So if the the shoe or shoot as you call it only has about fifty cards, and you see somebody jamming, go with them. Start yeah. betting along because that means they've been shuffle tracking. And more importantly, notice if they made the cut. Yeah. So that's something you can do on your own without counting cards, and then you can establish this guy's a counter, and then you know you can. No, you got an edge. Yeah. Uh, of course, playing if you refuse to play rated, that's going to uh, send a red flag. Playing multiple hands and table hopping. So um, then, of course, we talked about this too. When you're splitting tens and doubling a soft nineteen, um, people at that point are going to be like,
1: "Yeah, what the there's fuck only two options." Yeah.
0: This guy's a fucking lunatic moron. Yeah, or, or the decks at plus forty, yeah. and he's on to us. Yeah, 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 And then of course whole card, and we're on to him, right? Um, so they've cu- there are some things they've done to crack down, and um, the mind play system, which has been discontinued, scan card values as the cards were dealt. Mm. The shuffle master intelligence shoe system also scans card values. Mm. And card exits, uh, card exit the shoe. So they basically have the ability to make their own counts. Yeah, these casinos. So I had no idea. What's the count? Are you kidding me? Of course, I just just never crossed my mind. Of course. So, so that they means they have the
1: fucking things on the corners of them.
0: Right, but I mean that means that the casino pit bosses know when uh, No, I mean the I'm sure are hot. The,
1: I'm sure the pit boss can find out. I'm sure he's not like. Constantly with numbers on his ears. but maybe he is for all I know.
0: I would assume at this point that the eye in the sky and the guy sitting in the control room, they have a running count of all those cards because it's done by a computer system. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess a nice angle you could work is if you were on the inside, you could just tip that information to a player out there, and then you don't have to worry about wonging anything in.
1: Dude, you probably can't even take your cell phone in there. There's got to be a workaround. I don't know. You fucking leave like, you leave like a packet on a fucking, you go for lunch, you leave some, you leave the sugar packet one way, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> right, and the guy right. gets the deal, he knows. Um,
0: so the, the countermeasures that these casinos have always uh, been concerned about are penetration. So that simply means the number of cards dealt before a shuffle. So, um... They also shuffle when a player increases their wager or when a casino fills the remaining cards are advantageous to the player. It's known as preferential shuffling. Um, and then they'll, a lot of casinos, they'll change their rules for splitting, doubling down, or playing multiple hands. Yeah. Um, this also includes changing table stakes where there's just right, like, right, right. nah, nah, nah. We're doing 500 a hand. It's mm. five, five bucks a hand. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> so, um, and then, of course, they're still backrooming. It does exist, but I don't think any casinos these days are going to Risk. physically yeah. hurt you. But they can say just about anything they want in a sealed room because it's your word against our word. And yeah. I think if you scare them enough, you're going to have some some problems. Now, Dave... I'm guessing yes. that after all this time of uh-huh. me talking and giving you all this minutia, that's probably yes. gone over your little baked head. Yeah, that you've sitting here and you're asking yourself, Chris, who invented card counting?
1: <laughs> the Dutch. <laughs> no. no.
0: Let's talk about a it very. Was it the Dutch? It wasn't the Dutch. Okay. Uh, Did they invent soccer? I don't know. Mm. Okay. Um, they invent. All I know is the wooden shoes.
1: Oh, yeah. That's it. The clogs.
0: It. Yeah, and the Dutch East India Company. That's all I got when it comes wow. to the Dutch. Uh, that and a couple and then, of painters. And
1: then you got uh, Amsterdam. Yeah. Amskis.
0: Yep. So anyway, we're going to talk about a very famous person in uh, blackjack lore Ooh. by the name of
1: Edward Thorpe.
0: You uh, ever hear of him? No. Now okay.
1: this is the stuff I like to hear.
0: Okay. Well, he literally wrote the book <clears throat> on how to be blackjack. What
1: was the name of it? Um, How to Beat be the Blackjack de- by Edward Thorpe. Beat the dealer. Ooh, it's a good name. Beat okay. the dealer.
0: So Don't beat your dick. So he was born in the 30s. <laughs> no, and, beat the dealer. Don't beat your wife. Okay, I'll take it from here. Uh, he was a math professor, okay? Uh, later in life, he become a, uh, became a hedge fund manager, mm. but he researched blackjack for pretty much his entire life. Mm. So he's the one that pioneered modern uh, applications of probability theory, uh, including, including harnessing of very small correlations for reliable Correlation. financial gain. So he writes, beat the dealer, which proved that the house advantage could be overcome by card counting. Now he also developed and applied effective hedge fund techniques for financial markets. This was much later on in his life, but. He also collaborated with a guy named Claude Shannon in mm-hmm. creating the first wearable computer. Now, wow. that's a pretty impressive resume. That's when you pretty think cool. About it. Where did he wear it? On his dick. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh. You got to remember, these guys were doing everything they could, could think of to cheat. Right.
1: Remember a Casino when the guy's tapping oh, in his shoe Look, and signaling oh, the yeah. other dude? Bro, a guy put an anal thing in his asshole to hear vibrations to play in chess. Just really? A chess game against Carl Magnuson. So
0: somebody was signaling that guy? I guess. Oh, because you know this happened in the poker world recently. Wow. Anal beads? No, but here's a vibrating the thing. Anal There beads. was a huge pot on Hustler Casino Live, and wow. it, it was between this newcomer that showed up, Robbie mm. Jade Lou, mm-hmm. and Garrett Adelstein, who's like the, the big tits boss when it comes to uh, stream poker. Are they nice tits? Yes. So anyway, he shoved all oh, it's in. A dude, Ugh. Garrett did. He oh. shoved all in with a a, a a flush draw. Okay. She called him with Jack four. Oh, and wow, you're literally calling him with Jack high. Yeah. So what happened is, uh, he's like, I don't understand what happened. I don't understand you could call that. Um, this doesn't make sense. So he called her her out for cheating in the middle of this poker game. Okay. Now <clears throat> at this point, she. Went off stat, gave, said, here. Did she win the hand? Yeah, she technically won the hand. They ran it twice. Oh. And then she says, here, I'm just going to give you your money back. And he took it. Well, then it turned into this whole fucking thing about, like, you never proved she cheated. But then people were saying she might have had something up her butt sig- that was signaling her to call with that jack high. Yeah. They looked at her jewelry. She went on to take lie detector tests. Oh, God. Um, You know, admittedly, or was never
1: proven. It's all drama, dude. It's all fake drama for the internet. Probably. I think it was, too. Mm -hmm. So anyway. You're on the Shuli Network soon.
0: You got to remember, when he put this book out, uh, Thorpe, the casinos went nuts because they're like, oh, shit. Now we got to get rid of Blackjack because everybody's going to know how to beat us. Yeah. That was the initial response. Sure. In reality, it did the opposite. Mm, I thought it thought everybody could win. It. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to count cards. Yeah. So you had all these morons like you yeah. being like, oh, there's a, there's a 10. That's plus nine, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the other way. It's the, an eight. It's <laughs> an point eight. The they're going in and fucking up, and it just turns out they made a lot more money because of this. So anyway... Thorpe used the IBM 704. That is some kind of computer? I guess. Um, And he used it as a research research tool in order to investigate the probabilities while developing his blackjack game theory. Hmm. Now, this was also based on the Kelly Criterion, which we spoke of earlier. Um, So he learned about it from a 1956 paper that Kelly wrote. He learned Fortran. Do you know what Fortran is? 4chan? <laughs> 4 <Fortran. laughs> No. Must be some program. In order to. What is it? How do you spell it? R A N? No. Well, he used it in order to pro- pro- to program the equations needed for his theory. I at- <laughs> can't talk today. For his theoretical research model on the probabilities of winning at blackjack. Right. So he analyzed the game.
1: So it's like fucking, it's like a uh, Falcon. Yeah. War games. Yeah. Hello, Joshua. Dude, by the way, would you like to play a game? How about a nice game Game. of chess? Here's something I learned last week. I want to play Global Thermal Nuclear War.
0: Here's something I learned last week. Because you know that's one of my favorite movies. Yes. War games.
1: Because you like, because Matthew Broderick has no shirt on. Yeah. A lot of the times. Yeah.
0: And he was only 17 at the (laughs) time. Yeah. (laughs) So here's the thing Do you know who Professor Falcon is based on? No. It's based on Stephen Hawking. Oh, really? So, the original script, huh. they had him in a wheelchair. Oh, what? And then they were like, we can't do that because it'll be too close. Yeah. You know? And all the studios originally
1: passed on. But, but, but Hawking wasn't a computer guy, so that's stupid anyway. He literally is a computer guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay? So, good point. I guess he could theoretically do computer things. Here's the thing. That's what a good point. I, what, <laughs> what I
0: learned Bazinga. about. Bazinga. What I learned about this um, film, because I'm such a huge fan of it, is there was an original director, the dude that uh, did Beverly Hills Cop, Martin Brest. Okay. He was the original director, but they kicked him off oh. because it was too dark. Oh. And that's when they brought in John Badham. This
1: is fucking getting raped or something?
0: He, I guess it was just too dark. Too dark, huh? But that's when they brought in John Badham. It's a good movie. And then they the lightened up Games. the script and made it yeah. a little bit more fun. That Warren Games, it's a good movie. <laughs> it's good for kids to watch. Yeah, no, it's a great family movie. Yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I think your system sucks yeah, or yeah, whatever, Mr. Mr.
1: McKittrick. Yeah. <laughs> the General or Colonel? The General. Colonel. I think so. he's the Journal. Jer- jer- journal. Journal. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get back. So, to anyway,
0: work. Um, he used this IBM 704, um, and that was crucial in him getting. Running, running, large lang—not large language models, but large data sets—to show if this is possible or not. So then, he takes his theory in practice and heads to Reno. And he started with ten thousand dollars with a a guy named Manny Kimmel, who was a professional gambler and bookmaker, who was basically the provider of the venture capital. So they go to Reno and Tahoe. They test out the theory, and it immediately proves successful. And he won like eleven grand in a single weekend. Cool. So you know this is like early sixties money. So that's yeah. pretty pretty significant. It's fucking more
1: than uh, going around the goddamn fucking world at the
0: time. Thorpe also uh, assembled a baccarat team in which he was winning
1: with. Fucking Mustang cost eighteen hundred dollars. Dude, twenty five.
0: Right, yeah. Um. So anyway, the word gets out that these guys can count. No. And. Thorpe after he releases this book he becomes a pretty much a celebrity overnight this thing goes like to the New York Times bestseller list uh, it was 1966 it sells over 700,000 copies Wow so um, damn it, in, yeah in addition uh, he was a professor at MIT and that's when he met Claude and Betty Shannon and that's when they start going outside the Blackjack box. they're playing roulette and Blackjack and that's when he comes up with the wearable um, computer. yeah. And he used that in roulette play. Now there's not a lot of information I could find about how as that wearable computer helped them win Uh-huh. Um, but this is you remember in the casino in the movie casino where the guy's tapping with his toe? to signal to another guy he's got a computer no i know i know i know Well, you might know but we need to explain to our listeners he has a little device yeah in a computer in his yeah shoe and he's tapping Mm -hmm. and that's getting relayed to somebody else yeah through his earpiece well that was based on his work that he did with claude shannon and the wearable computer hmm so Anyway, they were doing something similar to what that guy in Breaking Vegas did with the roulette system, betting on quadrants. But right, I had like to do that. But I don't think at the time he knew it was... Uh, oh, a Big quadrant player. A biased situation. Yeah. Uh, like a wheel biased. Yeah. So um, he also developed the Thorpe count, mm. which was a method calculating the likelihood of winning in certain endgame positions in backgammon, uh, which I'd never played, by the
1: way. So, Neither, oh, Back yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a big Armenian game. Is it? Yeah, Nardi, we call it. Nardi? Nardi. Okay, Nardi. Yeah. Because a lot of Armenian. So... See a lot of grandpas playing it in the park. So in the late
0: 60s, he takes this knowledge that he's created with probability and stats, and he applies them to the stock market. And he basically discovers that exploiting uh anomalies in the securities market is a possibility and he makes a shit ton of money yeah, i like it so he creates a couple of hedge funds and basically just um focuses on statistical arbitrage and he was very successful but he did close it in 2002. Oh. Um, so he was also one of the major critics uh, about bernie madoff because well, he was like,
1: he was like dude of course, how many supporters does he have?
0: Well, listen to this. Thorpe reported his personal investments yielded an annualized 20% rate of return over 28.5 years. Cool. Now, we know that that's a big number. Yes. But Madoff was only average uh, advertising well, 15. Fifth, whatever. Yeah. So remember in the movie when John uh, Casey's dad, John, says he learned from Scarney? No. Uh, what movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, fucking the movie we you talking about. No, never watched it, buddy. Okay, I, I mentioned that John's dad was originally influenced by John Scarn. Oh, okay, I never heard of the oh, Scarns before. I see before. the Scarn, Scarns, yeah. So Skarnarski. Sc- was a magician.
1: Magician.
0: Yeah, and he was adept at playing card manipulation.
1: <laughs> I like some ball manipulation. So
0: he, he num he like writes a number of books on. Uh, uh, cards gambling and related topics um so here's the thing at a young age he became a card sharp mm-hmm. and learned swindles such as three card monty now i'm gonna i'm gonna come out and invent something here okay you know me yes you would say i'm very very astute <laughs> when it comes to making a wager or getting my money in good, yeah, as you've seen me many times in yes. in, in, in poker can, casinos.
1: I can attest, I can verify, verifiably. On the
0: surface, would you describe me as a sucker?
1: Yes. Okay. Well, you're correct because I got hustled once at three card monte, uh, and I'm not proud of this at all. You, but you're not going to get hustled at three card monte necessarily again. But you will get hustled every single time you walk into a Best Buy. A oh, because I don't know uh, that the NVIDIA graphics card is wherever, like 20% anywhere, off on anywhere, Pirate or Bay or any, some fucking bullshit like anything that. Anything that's not related to whatever. Anyway, let's go. All right. You get hustled there. So I was 14 mm-hmm. and
0: I go to New York City Sexy. for the first time and I have 140 bucks. Ooh. And all I wanted was one of those, one. E- Sorry, go on. those yellow Sony sportsman. Sports. Yeah. Uh, the Walkman. 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 Yeah. And it, it was 139 It was like 100, 99. $130. Bucks. Uh, and sure. I was like, I don't want to waste all my money because uh, this is my play money while I'm in New York. No, don't do this to me. You three card Monty. So I w- stumble on to Fifth Avenue. I'm by yeah. myself. I ditched yeah. the parents. Yeah. I'm like at Fifth Avenue in the 50s. And I see this massive crowd 1950s. of people. <laughs> I see this, it's
1: 1989.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, I'm literally wearing my hard three rock. Three years old. I'm literally wearing a hard rock cafe shirt. Yeah, that's yeah, how you're book Prime I'm.
1: target. Yes. <laughs> so I'm walking down the street. This oh, street. this little white boy's got $130 on for sure.
0: There's like a group of people, like maybe uh, six rows deep, and they're mm-hmm. surrounded by a cardboard box yeah. that's sitting on top of a milk crate. Right. And they're doing follow the B. Right. And this guy's like, follow the B, follow the B. And a woman walks up and she's like, I'll put 20. I know what a B is. Sure enough, she hits it. Then another guy Fake. comes up, does it for 100. He hits it. So then I'm like, uh, I want to try. I know where the B is. I put down 20 bucks. Boom, scoop it. Um, then he's like, you want to go again? And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> I'm like, double or nothing. Boom, I scoop it again. Then he's like, Man, you good kid. Where you from? And I'm like, uh, Idaho. <laughs> and he's like, how about we go double or nothing? And I go, Of course, man. <laughs> Boom. Hit it again. Now I'm at 80. And he's like, uh, uh, I don't know if I could take your action, kid. Oh my god. And I'm like, um, well, all these people around here, you know, they're pretty excited. They want your action, they want your action. You want me to leave? I mean, I'm just so so dumb. Yeah, yeah. I don't even remember. And he was yeah. like, all right, let's go one, more time. Uh, so it's 80 to win 160. Uh, mean, you have, how much do you have now? I had 140 bucks in I my pocket. Agree. I immediately lose that. Yeah. And then I turn around. The whole crowd that's watch, watching, they just disappeared. Wow. He folded up the fucking thing. Just and everybody scattered. Wow! So they were hilarious. all in on that's hilarious. So they got me for eighty bucks. I don't think I told that story to anybody for years because I was too embarrassed to talk about it. Wow! But yeah, it happens to the to the best.
1: When I was fourteen, I think I pissed my pants one time.
0: All right, let's go. So anyway, Scarny, he was an expert in you know all these street hustles and things like that. He wrote fifteen books. Uh and he also was big on dice. He wrote Scarney on Dice, Scarney's Guide to Modern Poker, Scarney's New Complete Guide to Gambling, um, and a couple of auto- autobiographies about himself. Oh, one, God. one titled "The Odds Against Me." Oh, so God. this guy was underground Hollywood. He was the technical advisor. Uh, you ever seen The Sting? Yep. Okay. So, you know, remember, like, the famous scenes when they're cutting the cards? Yep. Those are actually his hands oh, in the deck switching wow, okay. and whatnot. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh. Um, he, about, okay. he was known and claimed by experts as the greatest card manipulator of all time. Wow. So here's the thing. He invents a game named Tico, mm-hmm. and he invented it in 1945 and then reinvented it in 52 and modified it in the 60s. Oh. So it's called the John Tico Scarney uh, game. And then uh-huh. he, he actually, that's what he named his son. I screwed that up. So anyway, Tico yeah. spreads around the world and gets very popular. Orson Welles is endorsing it. Wow! But the guy never makes a profit because one day he walks into his warehouse and his entire like Tico sets are ruin from water damage. Oh, shit. How did yep. that happen? Uh, flood? Something. Something like that. Wow. So he also has, is very famous because he has a trick called Scarney's Aces. Okay. And the trick involves taking a spectator shuffle deck of cards and performing a series of riffle shuffles and then cutting to all four aces. Sick. So it's, it's a really... I think it's like if you're a magician like and you don't know Skarny's aces. Oh, I see, yeah. Like, you're you're not very cool. So, here's the thing. he, When uh, Thorpe's book comes out, he attempts to discredit this entire book and say, this isn't how you count cards. Um, he concluded that uh, Thorpe's system was loaded with mathematical errors and it was pure fiction dreamed by Thorpe. So... Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I was I was kind of fascinated because I never heard of Scarny before. Yeah. And then when this this guy kind of drops him, right? You know. You know. Everybody thought it was Thorpe, but Scarny had a piece of it apparently. Wow. Wow. So now I'm wondering, Dave. Yes. If you're asking yourself, yes, who wrote the book on on uh, card counting? Who? is the most successful Blackjack team yes. of all time. Yes. Hmm. I want to know that. I don't hmm. know. MIT
1: on. team. Yes.
0: 21 so, million? We're going to get to it. So, obviously, you've seen 11. the movie 21. Yeah. 21. Not 21 million. 11 million or something. All right. Go on. So, this group came out of MIT and Harvard. And um, it operated from 1979 through the 21st century. And, and in fact, a lot of people assume that they're still operating. So the way this whole thing started, it's 1979 and there's six MIT students and they're self-teaching themselves how to count cards. So they head off to Atlantic city and they make a pretty big score. So problem is the group breaks up because everybody's got to graduate and they go their separate ways. Most of them never you know, gambled again. Well, two of them from that original group, JP Masser and a man named Jonathan. We don't get his back uh, full name. Um, they start teaching blackjack uh, at MIT oh. as an independent activities period, which is known as an IAP. Cool. So, what those basically mean is those c- classes you can offer them on any subject. Yeah. So, in '79, uh, a guy named Dave, who was a professional blackjack player contacted one of the card-counting students, J.P. Masser, uh, after seeing a notice, like a flyer that he hung up for a blackjack course. So he proposed this young group and said, let's go to Atlantic City and take advantage of the New Jersey Casino Controls Commission's recent ruling that made it illegal for AC casinos to ban card counters.
1: Well, yeah, okay. So what year is this?
0: This is 79. Okay. So they all get together. There's four of them at the time. And they start with five grand and they start recruiting more players and then they're teaching more classes and then they play through 1980 and slowly turn their capital from five grand to $20,000. Nice. So then we enter... Bill Kaplan. So in 1980, JP Masser. Now he's the no he's the guy that's known as Mr. M, okay. who's the fucking Kevin yeah, yeah, Spacey yeah, dude yeah. in the movie. Mr. Molester. Yeah. Well, one day he randomly overheard a the conversation. M for a molester. Yeah. He overheard a conversation about a professional blackjack wow. in a Chinese restaurant in Cambridge. Oh God. So he walks over and says, I overheard what are you talking about? What's the deal? Well, it's Bill Kaplan. And he was uh, a Harvard MBA graduate, and he'd already been to Vegas a few times. And Harvard and MIT are next to each other, aren't they? They're right next to each <laughs> other. So these, these guys, um, they put together you know, a good amount of money, yeah. and then they 35X that, mo- that money in nine months of play. Sick. Yeah. So a, l- a lot I of money that. for fucking 1980,
1: too. Yeah. So wait, what's their total out right there? In well, they don't
0: say how much they started with. They just, they just say that they thirty five x 35X'd it. So wait, they
1: took a what? They took ten thousand, turned it into three hundred fifty thousand.
0: I mean, yeah, if they started with ten. So anyway, um, the Kaplan then follows Masser, and he kind of like watches from behind him, and he realizes that they're overthinking the game. They're doing too much math. And he dumbs down their strategy. Hmm. So, dark. Kaplan then says, "Hey, let's get a new team, but let's run it as a formal business." So, you know, this is when they go out and you know get the LLC started sure. and all that kind of stuff, and they're legit and they're on paper because technically they're not breaking any laws. Right. So, a lot of these players are like, "We don't want to play this new system." Um, and then he's like, "Well, too bad. This is how it's going to be." Then they put them through what's called the trial of fire checkout procedure. And they kind of showed that in the movie, but you have to count and then you've got somebody yelling in your ear. You've got a waitress like pulling out her tits. And the whole point is you have to stay laser focused at all times. And if you can't check out with the accurate number, you can't go on the team.
1: Hmm, yeah. Good. It's so like Beer Fest. <laughs> I don't know what's Beer Fest. Oh, it's a great movie. It's like the guys that do um broken I think it's the Broken Lizard guys. They did. Um, it's the same people who do. What's that fucking movie? Super Troopers. Super Troopers. Yeah. So at this point, they get a bank
0: together, and they start with eighty nine thousand dollars, and
1: they have a total of ten people at this point. Sick, dude. And then and now, how how to how much length are they going to like not being known that they're playing with each other? How how far? Of well,
0: this they're longing in.
1: Wow, they're just wonging they're around.
0: They're wonging it, bro. So because they have such a big field of players, they've got people just sitting at regular tables playing same bet every hand. Yeah, And those guys are the spotters right. getting the counts. And then they use the big player, a.k.a. Big Dave. And he's the guy that just comes in with the wads of cash when the decks are hot. I love it. So here's what they figured out. Ten weeks later... They more than doubled the original stake and they calculated profits per hour at the tables were $162.50, statistically equivalent to the projected rate of 170 hours that they had detailed in their investor prospectuses that they sent out to fund the bank. Wow! So that's pretty amazing that they were just completely spot on with their their stats. Um, They also calculated that... Um, the players earned an average of over $80 an hour, and investors, in turn, achieved um, an annualized return in excess of 250%.
1: Wow. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good little deal. Yeah. Turned into a little fucking uh, loan shark, too, huh? I don't think so. <laughs> when you say investors, like well, they loan literally- sharks. No, I mean they not loan but like not loan, but you know I mean like people who are like I'll throw some money and you to fucking go to Vegas.
0: Yeah, but it was literally a legit investment. Yeah, yeah. I get
1: you, I get you. So I think that's pretty cool. So that is cool. Yeah. I mean Imagine that's the future. We just like bet pool like uh people making money, like you know, betting pools of staking players. I guess it's big business at this point, almost. It's a huge business of staking players, yeah. especially in
0: poker right now. Yeah, poker. Yeah. So they calculated, and this is according uh, to, I believe, John Chang, who's kind of one of the legendary guys, um, that their technique would vary from anywhere to 2 to 4% as an advantage over the house. Hmm, not bad. Now... This team approach that we spoke of, the Wonging, this was, of course, developed by Al Francesco, right? Uh, who made it to the Hall of Fame. And uh, Blackjack team play, however, was first written about Ken Houston, um, who basically had that two-hour documentary made about him on the History Channel, which later turned into Breaking Vegas, with other, you know, ways to, you know, make money in Vegas, which we're right. going to discuss a little bit later in the show. So anyway, the 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 team ran uh, all through the eighties, um, up into the nineties, um, and they their win rate was four percent a year to over three hundred percent a year. That's quite the spread. Um. And then it was literally called Strategic Investments. Yeah, that is quite the spread. (laughs) They had like uh, 80 players at one point playing for them. Wow.
1: Yeah. That means you can support 80 players. Dude, that's a huge fucking team. It's a large business. Yeah, but that's a massive team. That's a small corporation. Yeah, Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, at this time, they had different teams like broken up. They're hitting Las Vegas, Atlantic City, Canada. They're going to island locations. They're going to Europe. Um, so the problem is all things must come to a good end. Uh, all <laughs> all good things, things, m- things must come to an end. Yeah. So you, you're so successful after such a long period of time, people s- notice you. Sure. So this is when they, yep. This is when they result to, to, you know, dressing up as women and, you know, just. Yeah, smudgy shit. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. You want to know how they actually got caught? Tell me. Okay. Well, the investigators that were hired by the casinos realized that their addresses that they provided were all coming from Cambridge. Uh So they go to MIT. And they check out the yearbook, wow! And it's all these people from the yearbook. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So um, they they dissolved in the early '90s, and they split off into two different groups at this point. One was called the Amphibians,
1: <laughs> okay,
0: and one was called uh, the Reptiles. And of course, the MIT uh, Blackjack Team was made famous in the movie Twenty One. And I don't know if you know this, Dave, but several of the uh, MIT uh, blackjack players made cameos in the movies Wow! as dealers. Oh, did they now? Yeah, so if you look closely, That's you can... That's cute. Yeah, I didn't know anything about that. Um, so, now, I'm sure you've been wondering.
1: No, I have not been wondering. <laughs> who's the best? Okay, I Hold am on, hold actually. on, hold
0: on, see if you can pick this up. In case you're wondering who the best is...
1: Um... It's yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering who the top guy is. Ken Houston. Uh, for sure, it's a guy. Ken okay. Houston. Ken Houston. Where's he from?
0: Ken Houston. Very interesting. Um, so he's born in 35, and he was huge in the 70s and gets notoriety for perfecting techniques with card counting and earns millions of dollars from casinos. Nice, dude. He, he wagered as high as 12000 a hand. Late bloomer which was a significant amount of money. Love it. So he also authored um, several books on video games, which we're going to get to in a little bit, cool. and personal computers. He was PCs. The, PCs. He was the subject of a 1981 segment on 60 Minutes. I couldn't find it, by which the way. a genius, math yeah, genius. Exactly. We're going to get to that. Uh, if this you, is the type of shit I like. If you can find that 60 Minutes, let me know. I looked on YouTube and I couldn't find it. And of course, as uh, I previously mentioned, in 2005, he was the subject of the History Channel documentary, The Black Jack Man. Hmm. So he was super smart. Um he graduated Phi Beta Capita, went to Yale, got an MBA from Harvard. Capita. And then he starts working as a planning manager for an American
1: cement company in LA. Yeah, doesn't seem like the type of gig he'd like. No. So then he. Except, the, except the mixing part. <laughs> <laughs> Two parts <laughs> cement, one part
0: water. So then he becomes a senior VP at the Pacific Stock Exchange and he's bored out of his mind. So on weekends, he starts creeping out to casinos because he reads Thorpe's book. And the Cleveland plane dealer called him, quote, a genius card counter, unquote. He was also a talented musician, proficient on the bass as well as piano. It's all numbers. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But you ever notice that? They always have extracurricular activities
1: on top of something that That they're good at. Because they want the brain stimulated. Like that one guy, Australian guy, gets hit in the head and then starts seeing like geometry everywhere a beautiful he, mind no 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 it's like <laughs> I, maybe it's based on him but he like yeah he like it's i guess maybe it's based on it is that the, the the movie with what's his name something crow russell crow russell crow Some, something crow <laughs> yeah i don't remember his first name but yeah there's like that like john yeah, nash was his disease see so he doesn't understand that he needs to learn the math and once he starts learning the math he realizes he picks it up very, very quickly because he, that's why he's seeing the geometry everywhere.
0: It's also what makes those pool players good. Yes. The geometry. Yes. Well, he becomes fascinated. He turns into a blackjack junkie. Well, he meets Al Francesco in a poker game. Wow. So Francesco, as we know, created the big player in okay. the counting, card counting team. Okay. That's the the guy that comes in when the deck's right. hot. Right, right, right. So he says, hey, why don't you come play with me, Ken? And then he promotes Ken to the big player. And um, on his first five-day run with Francesco, he wins $44,000. Nice. Now, what do you think Houston's share of that was? 10%.
1: 2100
0: bucks. Pretty close. Wow. So um, Francesco and other team members have rec- rec- recounted in subsequent Blackjack Forum interviews that Houston made very little money on their team. Um, so then he wrote a book with Roger Rappaport called The Big Player, in which he shared credit for many of his card-counting successes with his fellow team members, including noted blackjack master strategist Bill Erb. Um, So then, after he publishes this book that goes fucking viral, I guess you would say, <laughs> back in the 70s, viral. it was so big, uh, Francesco's team found itself barred, so they wow. couldn't play. So this is when it gets interesting. In 78, um, Atlantic City, um, you know, this is when they they basically say at the time, you can't count cards. So what does he do? He brings up a case and files lawsuit claiming that you can't bar players from skill. And Mm. the New Jersey Supreme Court ruled that Atlantic City casinos did not have the authority to decide whether card counters could be barred. Wow. Um so to date that still holds. Nice. So he's he's a legend
1: for he's that. He's a pioneer. He's
0: definitely a pioneer. So um, he got addicted to not just the game but the disguises. Oh. oh. So they're gonna he say had, like
1: cocaine or something.
0: Yeah, uh, that's part I think he, he partied pretty hard. Nice. Um he did have an early demise, which we'll get to Aww. in a minute. So Arnold Snyder describes playing with Ken at a Circus Circus Las Vegas, near the uh, end of Houston's life. And he states that Houston was disguised as a worker from Hoover Dam and got away with spreading his bets from table minimum to maximum on a single-deck game. Mm. And since this took place at a time when card counting was well understood by casino executives and managers, and since the primary clue, of course, is to raise and lower your bet, uh, they... Consider Houston a genius of disguise and/or coward counting camouflage because of this. I'm assuming he literally went in with like cement under his fingernails, yeah. and played up the the part of like, oh, I'm just a huge drunk, yeah. So
1: cool. yeah, it's pretty cool, fun little gig.
0: Wrote another book. Well, hey. here's what happens next: he gets hooked on video games. Wow. Yeah. Which so, one's the first one? Take a guess. Pong. Yes, and then Breakout. Well, in 79 space invaders comes out and he gets addicted to that. He's got 350,000 cash that he just took out of Atlantic city. So what does he do to party plays video games? He rents a house in California and bought a space invaders upright machine. Wow. So he got addicted to it because apparently if you use every shot correctly, you can score more points. So then he starts hanging out at a playboy casino, uh, in Atlantic city. Um, at a bar called the Easy Street uh, okay. Pub. So he goes from LA back to Atlantic City now? Yeah, he was in Atlantic City mainly. When oh, okay. he was doing all the, the gambling. The gambling. Okay, yeah, gotcha, because gotcha. he had a lawsuit there. So he did time there. Oh, great. So Lawsuits. So he gets in a friendly competition with locals at this bar about who can get the high score on Pac-Man. And of course, similar to Billy Mitchell, who we talked about in a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he realizes that there's patterns to the game. So... At this point, um, he runs into um, two Chinese-American boys by the names of Tommy and Raymond. They do not sound Chinese. does sound legit to me. And they teach him how to get even further in the game. It's Tejun and Reijun. So they, they talk him into writing a book about Pac-Man. Mm, um, that's cool. Yeah, so he writes a book called Mastering Pac-Man and wrote it in four days. Wow. He's definitely doing drugs. Yeah. Um, the good kind. It made it to the New York Times bestseller list. Whoa. He also wrote um, uh, books on other games uh, and computers during the 80s. Okay. He licensed his name to Coleco and ColecoVision. Huh. Um, wow. Yeah. So and it was a big deal. It was a huge deal. And he also credited, was credited with the idea for the 1984 game Puzzle Panic. Okay. You ever play no, that? No. You ever hear of it? Nope. Okay, well, he died at the age of 52 in Paris. Oh, yeah, partying the fuck up, dude. Uh, cause of death was listed as heart failure. Oh, yeah, cocaine. Okay. Now, Dave, at this point, you're probably asking yourself, who's in the Blackjack Hall of Fame? Tell me. Well, before we say who's in there, okay. here's the deal. Okay, They will vote you in to the Blackjack Hall of Fame in Barona Casino, which is just south of us, with the agreement that if they elect you into the Hall of Fame, you will never play blackjack in their casino. That's hilarious. That's fucking great. That is pretty good. So um, Al Francisco, he was one of the founding um, uh, entrance members, I should say. Snyder, of course. Edward Thorpe. Ken Houston. So is that something like every year they induct somebody? Um, they don't. I don't. No, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. What? Um, Two players per year since 2006, and you're allowed to nominate one person. They made an exception in 2007 when there were four members because they were a team called the Four Horsemen. Wow. And they got they got a group nom. That's good. Group nom-noms. <laughs> so you got, of course, course, Wong's Nomination. in there. Nomination. Of course, Wong's in there. Cool. Uh, Keith Taft, who we're going to speak about a little bit later. Great. He got in because he manufactured hidden computer devices oh, to aid in advantage fun. play. Uh, a couple of the guys that were in the doc that were under um, uh, voice modification, they're in. Daryl Purpose, Richard Munchkin. Um, so you, talk, you heard me talk a lot about Breaking Vegas. Yes. So as you know, they make the, the doc on Ken Houston. It's such a hit in 2005. They were like, well, let's find more Breaking Vegas stories. Right. So I want to tell you about a few of my favorites. Because I looked them up, and then you can let, you can go you know watch them. So um, okay. my favorite, okay, is called the Slot Scoundrel.
1: Slot Scoundrel. Yes. Ooh, I like the name.
0: Based on the life of Tommy Glenn Carmichael. Okay. So he was a TV repairman, and he is a slot machine guy. Yeah. So he buys a slot machine. To see and if he can fix it. Reverse engineers a way. Yeah. To created device which he called the tongue oh i remember this to put in it was a light wand actually it was called the top and bottom joint you'd stick it in and then it just shoots money out that's hilarious it's fucking so cool. <laughs> that is cool so he got popped a few times obviously yeah but the way you would do this is you'd have a spotter yeah and you'd be blocking a camera yeah and then you just put the top and bottom joint in and just clean out the money yeah so, yep, yep, yep. so he does this, but the casinos adapt. So every time they adapt, he would go out and buy the new slot machine and fucking, reverse yeah. engineer it. it again. So And they all went digital on his ass. Yeah, but there's still there's there's guys that did the digital thing. We'll get yeah. to that later. Ooh. So anyway, what Tommy decides to do is the first one was just a metal piece that went in the machine. Well, then he creates this light one that has a sensor in it mm-hmm. that blocks a laser Wow and it just shoots money out. So then he decides, okay, I'm just gonna sell the device I created.
1: Wow and sold him for like 10
0: grand a piece to people and anyway uh, he went to jail a little bit but got out but you know still had a pretty goddamn good run. yeah man. Um, do you know what pass posting is? No. Pass posting is when, let's say, you're playing roulette, and you put your money on five to win, mm-hmm. and it hits on five, okay. and you had ten bucks out there, yeah. But then you throw a hundred dollar chip on it, yeah, and see if they don't notice. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, uh, an episode. Um, I would think, of, yeah, it was called the ultimate cheat about Richard Marcus. Wow. So basically, what you're doing is you're using distraction to whoever's running the game yeah. to put more chips out once. You know your uh, your bet comes in. The term "pass posting" itself comes from horse racing. Hmm. So you, how does that work? Same way. You just say I got a ticket for this winner. You buy a ticket for a winner after you already know the results because there were delays in in the wires back then when oh. they transferred information. So um, there's another another amazing episode called the Vegas Vixen. And it's about a woman named Ida Summers. Okay. And she was a dealer. And she would deal Blackjack. And she starts hanging around with the wrong people. (laughs) And somebody talks her in to to bringing, you know what a cold deck is? No. A cold deck. I mean,
1: like, okay, no, I don't.
0: Okay, a cold deck is like where you and I are having a a game of 21. Okay. And I've rigged every card in the deck. Oh. So you can't win, and I'm going to win every single hand. Oh, okay. So they didn't cold deck a casino. They cold shooed a casino. Oh, wow. So she manages to slip a hot shoe and take away the old shoe in one motion with some guy helping her
1: out with misdirection.
0: Wow. And and it was in her purse. Holy shit. And then they had to slip it back out.
1: Whoa. She got away with it, though. How many times? Forever? I can't remember. Wow. But, that's uh, sick, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Whoa. That, you must, that's some crazy magician shit. Super crazy.
0: Uh, Keith Taft, who Damn, is in just the to block. Try
1: and just to attempt that shit. Oh, you got to like, have balls of steel.
0: Keep in mind, back then,
1: you don't probably a, easier, but not, you know.
0: You know what a catwalk is? No. So, catwalk back in the day... They had the eye in the sky. Well, before the eye in the sky, the casinos would hire cheats to stand in the catwalk and look down at you oh, right. because they knew what these guys did. <clears throat> yeah. So they're up there with binoculars and whatnot, and, and you know that's what they were up against back yeah. in the 60s. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Keith Taft, um, who was in the Hall of Fame, they did an episode on him called uh, The Gadget Gambler. Okay. Um, he was a super religious dude, but... And, you know, he was in church choirs and all that. But one day he goes to Reno and um, he gets obsessed with beating Blackjack. So he brings his children in his accomplices. And then he starts creating genius like gadgets, uh, LED eyeglasses wow. with handheld lasers that could mark cards for 15 feet away. Whoa, sick. Yeah, it's pretty fucking cool. And then one of uh, one of the other ones, I mentioned uh Dice Dominator Dom. They show him. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Right. You know, the No one dominates dice. Here's the thing. I haven't been able to find it. Um, There's a really weak copy of it on YouTube. Um, But if you really want to dig in, that one's worth a watch. And then um, Counterfeit King. So this was a story about Luis Colavecchio. So he's a tool and die maker. Nice. Yes. So how do you think he made his money? Uh, making molds of what, though? The tokens from the slot oh, machines. Oh, this... He faked tokens. Wow. So what happens is, after houses do counts on their tokens... Yeah. So the house starts count one day, and they're like, count's off. Inflation. <laughs> Something's going on. <laughs> Inflation. Well, it turns out he had... Created perfect fakes wow. of all of these tokens. And he, when they popped him, he had a trunk full wow. of cases of faked one dollar, five dollar, you know, ten dollar tokens. But I remember watching it and like he was like fucking with the metallurgy of everything. Yeah. And realized the way it counted correctly and would go through the drop is if it made the right sound. No, shit. yes, it was, fucking it was a resonance thing, yes, that's amazing. Yes, it was like a that's harmonic why, thing, that's
1: why they're like tin, yeah. It's I don't like, know, they're like not, they're like they're light, yeah. And so, I've seen
0: several docks outside of um, uh, uh, Breaking Vegas where people have like counterfeited casino chips, yeah, like in their garage, yeah, like they're high end graphic designers and they'll just paint them up and just do them perfectly. One guy even did the RFID in there,
1: yeah, you got to put the chip in there. Well, apparently anything over 100 has like a some kind of correct locationing even. Maybe. Well, not locationing, but like w- what I've noticed that with the hundreds in L.A.,
0: I don't think they are RFID, but they are serial numbered. Mm. So each hundred has a serial number on it. Got it. So that's uh, that's pretty much a wrap with all it, those, those crazy uh, scamblers. I love that shit. Um, if, I want to go to Vegas now. Let's go. I know. Here's the thing. We will. Now, if you, by the way, one quick story. Yeah. One of the craziest dice games I've ever seen. Okay. I can't remember who it was, but there was a guy that was uh, pretended to be a crip. Okay. Like crippled? Yeah. Not a gangster. Yeah. He pretended to be a crip and he would get to the far end of the table and he had a device on his wheelchair. Wow. And the dice were loaded. Uh. So when his accomplices at the other end of the table. Loaded with what? Magnets. So he oh, okay, throws yeah. the dice at one end, and when they come down, he hits the button, hits the and they just tighten up, and yeah. they land on whatever hardware he wants yeah.
1: to land on. I always wondered if that was real or not. <laughs> oh, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. Those so, are cool.
0: Yeah. I'm down for that. You want,
1: you want to do that? Let's start like, Let's go buy a Mexican uh, dice-creating plant. Oh, that's right. What was mm-hmm. that in? That was in Breaking the, but, uh, Oceans, like. 12 oh, it or Thirteen? Oceans, 12, 13, 13, or, yeah, Thirteen, yeah, yeah.
0: That's where Casey Affleck spends half the movie yeah. down in Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Viva la that
1: resistance. Yeah.
0: Um. Good so ep- good episode. So overall, would you give the docs on this one, dude? I mean, like I said the before, the documentary itself. Like I said before, it's two and a half. Yeah. If you're, it, it's four. If you're a gambling junkie or right, fascinated right, by right. gambling. It just had a really weak ending. But I'm more uh, interested in the process of how this all started. And keep in mind, Blackjack's still out there, but a good friend of mine, we were talking about this, and he said, wait, I want to tell you one quick story. I was hanging out with a comic years ago, and he started counting cards. Okay. And... He was like, I want you to come with me to practice. Oh, boy. And I'm like, dude, you're going to lose all your fucking money. All of it. And (laughs) whatever you made at Yuck Yucks. I'm like, I'm like, dude, you go fucking count cards. You signal me in when the deck is hot. Okay. Okay. So by signaling in, he texted me and he's like, I got to count at plus eight right now. Go over to the table. I walk over to the table. I put fucking 20 bucks down. And before the cards come out, I look over and he looks over at me and he's like, dude, the deck is hot. He like literally like mimes it to me. Sure. And uh, I bust immediately. Great. Even though he tells me to take a hit. Yeah. And as I lose that hand, I look to his right and he's sitting right next to the dealer on what they would call third base. Okay. And there is a shuffling machine.
1: Oh, it's an automatic <laughs> shuffler. It's it was an automatic an
0: automatic shuffler, and he didn't realize shuffler.
1: it. God, what an idiot.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I was like, bro, you can't count cards with an automatic yeah, shuffler. Yeah, it doesn't work. And he was doing it for hours and couldn't figure what out what a fucking idiot, he... dude. Yeah. So I love anyway, it. Um, Good app. Yeah. Fun times. Um,
1: I can't remember what I was just saying. Well, you can go to uh, downloaddocs at gmail.com. Send us an email. <laughs> <laughs> get a, get a message uh, on down on the Docs pod on Instagram and of course down on the docks on Twitter. Find me, I'm Dave Sarah on Instagram. I got my Instagram back. Yay. Oh, I didn't know you lost it. I didn't lose it, just couldn't log in. But now okay. I can log in. I got the app. It's all working. It's all okay. pipes. Jerry. Find us on Twitter, Down on the Docs. Yep. And of course, Instagram, Down
0: on the Docs Pod. Thank you, uh, to Broccoli Farms for uh your support. And thank you, of course, to the listeners and all of your private DMs. Shout out Grant Mastercraft this week. I appreciate your commentary and it does help. And we will keep bringing you more episodes. That's it for episode 52. We'll see you next week.